0: Oh shit! I'm all sh- Chicagoed out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's,
1: right. Like that's only appropriate. Yeah, uh, that's that rules. Um, yeah, just catching up on catching up on stuff. Um, where are you headquartered out of again? I always forget. Madison. That's right. Good stuff. Got
0: yeah. Have you
2: ever been?
1: I have my best friend from uh, growing up actually lives there, so I try to get out there once a once a year or so.
2: Jim cool. and I were actually like a month before COVID went to see Fiddlehead. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, yeah.
0: were you were you both at that show? Yeah. Yeah. My band. Yeah. O- my! My band opened that show.
1: Oh, <laughs> totally. you guys were great. Two <laughs> together. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. I I met Tim Crisp and David Anthony at that show.
1: Yeah. yeah 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 wild uh, small ass world yeah that show oh. was weird as hell but very fun like um it
0: was in like a cafeteria hall basically yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it was like totally. it was before fiddlehead got like gigantic and so yeah. there were only like what like 40 people there which is from a from the lens of now seems completely insane like yeah what's up ellie
3: hey how goes it
1: good how are you <laughs>
3: Uh, I'm doing okay I got my I got my sparkling water might might break out the the herbal tea later um, let's
1: fucking go <laughs> got I spark- used to I coffee. used to drink
3: like three herbs every time we recorded the pod yeah and I'm pretty sure <laughs> that is what gave me diabetes
1: <laughs> I mean who who is to say i I definitely um i'm definitely a, a a total slut for rain energy and drink one of them a day because it, aren't
3: rains sugar-free
1: yeah all the rains are sugar-free and they have like enough caffeine to like make you want to kill god every time you uh yeah yeah that's that's the move
3: so yeah i know well, my partner really likes those bang bang energy <laughs> drinks i really like the grape flavor bangs <laughs>
1: Bangs are cool, and it's also, I don't know if you're a how-to with John Wilson head, but the episode where he actually goes and, like, meets, he, like, goes and crashes a party at the Bang CEO's mansion, and, like, the Bang CEO is one of the only people he talks to in that show that is actually likable. It's wild. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> totally contrarian opinion for me, probably, but it is what it is. Yeah.
3: Wow, Kyle, it's so nice to see you again. I feel like it's been... It's if not like a millennia. year and a
0: half or something oh correct wow. those are yeah
3: <laughs> time time is interchangeable
1: <laughs> yeah time is soup we love a good reunion i didn't realize this was like a <laughs> big reunion for y'all this is this mm-hmm. is dope as hell i'm glad that we get to have the honor of facilitating it that's cool as fuck yeah yeah, yeah.
3: um see what 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 happened was uh there was an extremely dramatic breakup um <laughs> All yeah, I believe it. All sorts of all sorts of flaming dog shit on each other. Um, and now this is our this is our, our first tearful meeting once again, and we have uh these uh trained relationship counselors to help us yeah. get it.
1: That's that's <laughs> what we are. Um Hugo and I are famously trained relationship counselors, and uh we're here to we're here to intercept T and serve it to the masses um, <laughs> <laughs> we're all centers. right everybody welcome Emotional to love, love,
3: season three <laughs> yeah
1: i love it um any any uh points of order before we get into it i've got everything laid out in front of me and so i'll just kind of facilitate it and contribute to the discussion as as is appropriate yeah that uh, i can't
3: yeah i can't think of anything specifically to note off top no. yeah Except that Kyle and I still don't know what the, the revamped E-word is going to be called. Well, you, that's, right?
1: that's oh, something okay. that you can just talk about <laughs> candidly, um, <laughs> when you do the plug or whenever. Um, so, yep, I'm looking forward to it. We'll go ahead and get right into it then. Everybody, it's Watch Me Pod. You know, it's the, the podcast about game changers and punk emo and hardcore. We, you know the drill. Uh, today we have a very special episode for you. Um, we have Kyle and Ellie here of E-Word fame. Um, this is big for us, for Hugo and me, because Watch Me Pod was very much sort of crafted in the image of E-Word. We wanted it to sort of be done in the same spirit as E-Word. Um, just as in a more like tent party for all-encompassing black t-shirt music kind of way. So um, we are very happy to have Kyle and Ellie here. Um, Spoiler, we're going to be talking about Blink-182 from the angle of like emo and core kids, uh, which I think will be a fun discussion. But before we get into that, uh, we wanted to catch up with Ellie and Kyle because it's been a while since anybody's heard from them. Uh, and Hugo is going to lead us through a short uh, short chat with with them. So uh, without further ado, take it away, Hugo.
2: Yeah, like I just want to get off the bat. Like not only was it e word influential for this pod, but just like my writing in general, <laughs> like the two thousand and nineteen series a decade under the influence definitely informed some of my writing. Like I think of some of the phrases you said around grown-ups in turn, in terms of them being, like, very early on the weed emo yeah. stuff, was something mm-hmm. I didn't put together until that. So, as a fan, I I was just kind of curious to start off. Um, y'all kind of dipped out right before what I'll call the fifth wave emo wars, where it kind of got really, in, in, like, not, like, nasty, but it just seemed like to be on Twitter during the time when the nomenclature was coming in, it got like really annoying, at least for my end,
3: yeah, definitely a calculated decision on our part to just <laughs> nuke our internet presence at the same time as this uh upswell of extremely online uh content um well I don't know I don't know I feel like the fifth wave thing started like literally at the tail end like totally I feel like Brandon from home is where like start like he they, they were dipping their toe in Um, like on the episode of the e-word that they were on mm-hmm. uh, they kind of they kind of laid out their, their ground rules and then uh they did their interview with Fantano and I think that's when the nomenclature really blew up Um and now it seems almost dead.
4: Yeah, yeah, totally. I
3: deleted Twitter from my phone, so I don't even like know what anyone is talking about anymore. But peaceful life. Yeah, I haven't heard anyone like bring up that phrase um in a couple months outside of like it reaching like a Facebook meme, which as you all know means that it's like three months past expiration date. (laughs)
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like there was a point where it was like seeping into like, like real journalism, like the whole fifth wave thing. Like I think like Stereogum like posted a chart about like fifth wave. But oh, then... I do think Ian Cohen brought it up in that recent.
3: Uh, was it Ringer? The Ringer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That one hundred. Uh, or the like best emo songs of every year since nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Something. Yeah, uh, they definitely brought up fifth wave emo on that.
0: So. so it's so it's like it it it's a term that has meaning and it can mean something. But I also think it also like three months after it hit Twitter, it became a meme. Almost, and maybe it's a dirty word. Is it a dirty genre tag? I don't know. Are people going to take you seriously if you call yourself a fifth wave band?
2: I'm seeing more Bandcamp tabs with it. Yeah, lately. I, don't I do know if that means
3: anything, right? I do think part of what made people so upset about it, like as it became more and more memeified, is that uh, it started to we started like there started to become this feeling like the meme was actually like self promotion. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and, uh at first, it was very very clever self promotion, and then. Uh, you know, uh, DIY kids are ever contrarian. So it just uh, rapidly became something to uh, be angry about uh, because I I do think that we uh, were definitely guilty of participating in this, but Twitter is just a place uh, where people uh, are not happy unless they are complaining. Coveting uh, okay. kind of uh the
0: the the social currency of but in that same episode you brought up the the nine waves that's true um (laughs) yes
3: uh but i i i recently read uh in defense of ska and uh, yes and adam brings up uh you know the the no waves argument Mm -hmm. that there are no waves and I think that actually might be closer to the truth in Emo's case as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean the waves are just a a way to make it a little e- at least easier to talk to talk right. about, in my opinion, and that's like why, at least when I'm talking about current stuff, I use I use Fifth Wave because the whole conceit of Brandon's thing is that like you can't keep talking about Emo revival if it's been over a death. Yeah. a decade and calling stuff that's happening now emo revival just feels like it, it feels like what are we doing at a certain point
3: yeah i i do feel like the band came out that sounded like camping in alaska right
0: now it would be like emo revival revival almost that's what ben quad sounds like to me because it sounds like yeah. yeah it it sounds like 2010 emo done in 2022 yeah,
3: definitely
2: I, i've definitely I been like using it. more emo revival revival as a term because yeah. i think that's distinct at least from more of the like post emo fifth know
3: and fifth the, wave, so. the thing is the fifth wave emo that pulls more from like kind of like uh chiptune and mm-hmm. uh bedroom pop like kind of more orthogonal to uh, traditional DIY influences, um, I think is like really good. Like hey, I Hi, hey ILY, I think that band is yeah. like really really good. Um, hmm. uh, it took me a little bit to to vibe with Your Arms or My Cocoon, but really? uh, yeah, eventually I saw the light on them. Uh, I think that Lops was pretty.
2: pretty cool. That one was pretty quick for me. Maybe just because Your Arms is Chicago based, but i right. think it came during a i kind of got it for like a dm and it it was at a time when i wasn't hearing bedroom screamo yet right and it was it was still pretty early so i was more like what the fuck is this because
3: this isn't this isn't a current band but are you familiar with echelons or their former name unable to fully embrace this happiness
2: no i am not actually all right
3: you you should uh I, I believe it's echelons.bandcamp.com is what they're listed under now, but uh, they had a record in 2016 called uh, the morning sun and the end of the world, I think is what it is. And they recorded that entire album with uh, two, like two webcams and a dictaphone. Um, and it sounds like uh, putting your head in the oven in the best way. Uh, that's, that's like the, the kind of bedroom scream of, I think of, um, but your arms are my cocoon are really tight. I don't know if y'all have heard uh thorn tire
2: yeah
3: yeah uh, yeah yeah they're they're really great they got kind of that uh kind kind of uh descended from foxtails sort of energy in their songwriting um and i I think that they're really fun um but uh then I think that there's like fifth wave emo uh just kind of like bandied about willy-nilly and it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to me um I think it should Kind of be used in kind of the same way that we were trying to use post emo, yeah. Um, back,
2: yeah, yeah. It's just I, these definitions, especially on the internet, get it can be for me really, really conf- confusing. Even yeah. like, even as someone who's probably more involved in hardcore, when some stuff gets called hardcore and it's clearly not. It's,
3: I mean, same, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> also, on on that subject of, like, labels that make no sense, you know, R.I.P. Sparkle Punk. I do think <laughs> that, <laughs> that people stopped using that, even ironically, and it's uh, a blessing and an end of an era.
2: Yeah. Um, Amen. I guess kind of moving on, besides the fifth wave emo, whatever, this course, where y'all just getting burnt out or like because it seemed pretty it seemed pretty sudden when y'all logged logged off kind of like we're gonna go to sleep for a while i know there's there's always been conversations of like we want to go away from emo a little bit more we don't want to be just an emo podcast
3: yeah um i i do think that we uh realized a little bit that maybe we had accidentally pigeonholed ourselves um and i feel like we realized that like really early on in the pod uh because kyle when did we start talking about like hardcore and rap i think like episode three or
0: something right (laughs) yeah i mean sort of i mean like i'd say i'd say we kind of not really dug ourselves a hole with a decade under the influence, but it was sort of like after that it was like, what do we do now? Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I think that a decade under the influence,
3: uh, what that, that series was like, we were really proud of it. Um, we did something that like hadn't quite been done for that era before. Um, Mm -hmm. But it also kind of uh, shined a light on like all the other all the other Sonic stuff from that era and now that we like still wanted to cover, and we started. At least I I felt uh, a little bit like we couldn't cover as much of it as we wanted without like alienating people.
0: Sort um, of, yeah, yeah, like. Um, but I guess sort of like the burnout was sort of there and I don't know I don't think we even like really talked about it that much about like let's stop doing it or something like that but like I don't know that was in the middle that was like really in the middle of like pandemic and personally myself have like a lot of personal things that like uh were getting in the way of like kind of like being like um like on a schedule and stuff like that so like I'd say like that's my half of it
3: yeah i definitely had some some mental health stuff going on yeah. um still do a little bit i'm just i think that this is like helping to shake up some of the cobwebs, you know um mm-hmm. but uh i think another part of it is and i'm going to regret bringing this up like the second that i say it but the reddit association um
2: yes that's been like yeah. following oh, us yeah. around
3: despite the fact that like we stopped Like my, I I deleted my Reddit account like two years ago, you know, like there's just no connection to, uh, that place anymore. And yet we were still like constantly associated with it. Um, and not that there weren't good things that came from that place, but it also like, um, just wasn't representative of our vibe at all. Um, Hmm. And uh, it also kind of brought along with it a lot, of, like a lot of these associations of uh, sort of this drama that we didn't really have any
0: interest in talking about anymore. Um, yeah, but we were talking about it, like maybe like the year for like a year leading up to like the final episode that we did. We were still like participating and talking about yeah. that stuff, like yeah, um, which I I I don't know i don't want to say i regret it as much as like because like i think we were fair about it but as much as like i i um really would want to distance ourselves as far i mean as much as we could like now as like i mean are you talking about
2: drama in general or is there a specific incident i might not even be i'd say Uh... just
0: just like the just like the cancellations and like the McCafferty's yeah. and the, Yeah totally.
3: I do feel I still feel a little bad about uh what what do we call it? Um the Nick watch. <gasps> Nick watch. <laughs> that yeah. that felt a little TMZ, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I think deleting the Twitter app off my phone helped me a lot. Yeah. Um totally. Yeah, but it uh I think it's like the constant conversation mixed with like the in- like engagement is driven by like intensity of emotion. So yeah. it's just kind of like this perpetual motion machine of outrage um and kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not like dehumanization but like reduction of empathy. Um mm-hmm. And oh, everything is like refracted through everyone's like own specific little windows. There's uh, also,
1: there's a thread that I've been pulling on lately. I think it's important is like the flattening of the intellectual plane, because like on Twitter and Reddit, you have this situation where it's, you have people of just vastly varying ages and levels of life experience interacting on like a flat plane with each other. And I think yeah. that can just be like fucking infuriating for people in like an uncanny way
3: yes yeah no that makes total sense um and especially because uh you have this like device in your phone that theoretically grants you uh knowledge of everything that's ever happened um and so you have like 18 year olds uh who are like more knowledgeable about certain historical events than like people who lived through it um and people uh don't really know how to square that i think um yeah and vice versa also people who uh have no actual perspective uh or like ability to view things in like a kind of a uh zoomed
0: out lens um yeah yeah i think like that's what i mean like specifically with emo and like participating on reddit and like lurking on all these other places online it's like that was sort of like a frustrating it made me feel like I think I think the term people call people like me is an elder emo even though oh. I've got like, <laughs> like 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 uh 10 years in the game or something like, like that but like and th- this happens where it's like someone discovers Algernon Cadwallader And there's just because there's not that much information on Alger non people like this is the most underrated band. It's like, no, like they are literally like the most beloved band straight for 15 years. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's just because a lot of that documentation that was done is probably from dead websites.
3: Yeah. Yeah. At this
2: point, which is it's it's all
3: buried in like last FM threads.
2: uh, Now it's just like pre-chorus
3: you fm absolute yeah. punk
2: yeah yeah and now it's just like the pitchfork review and the interview that ian cohen did is like yeah. the only only thing which is like it's cool that you have that but like yeah it's like it's an incomplete story which is just kind of the state of music journalism exactly going, going forward where it's just like like even me i have I have like my medium page, which I do for the more emo documentation stuff. And like, I'm always thinking if that site ever goes down, like all, all of my work is just gone. And it's like, you you need to hope that somebody else just carries it forward. But yeah, but I get, I get what you're saying.
3: That's kind of like DIY punk history in a nutshell is you just kind of got to hope that the documentation sticks around. By the way, Kyle, I fucking love your hat. (laughs) It looks, (laughs) it looks real fresh. (laughs) Thanks.
1: I think now that that's an interesting phenomenon um where now like the um the sort of like oligopoly of the internet and the fact that the internet is like seven websites only now Ooh, is actually yeah. like for as sinister and fucked up as that is like it's actually good for the like long uh, long form archival of DIY art um just because like the a lot of these big websites are allegedly too big to fail right like yeah see mm-hmm. about
3: I'm of two minds about that because then there's also like the possibility that like, what if it all goes down? What if it all goes on? Um, and something that I think about that a lot with is streaming. Um, and the, I mean, there's something to be said about like owning physical media. And I've had like conversations with my partner about like, maybe we should own more physical media. But the, the fact, the fact is that like, um, what we need is less of uh, a subscription-based model and maybe more of like a public library model, uh, for all of that stuff really. But, um, I think that putting everything into the hands of these private websites is just kind of asking for documentation issues. But, I mean, it's look at what, what just happened with like HBO max, uh, like the discovery merger and how it just mm. like scrubbed like right. all, infinity train is gone forever. Um, or that that other show at like Tig and something um, mm-hmm. like Gone Forever and like that that the people who worked on that show like can't even show their kids who they like made the shows for, um, so that's that's something that I that I think about with regards to like the current model of how the internet works. I think that there's like this very real possibility that everything will just kind of uh, succumb to some sort of rights issue. I mean, mm-hmm. how fucked up is it gonna be when like someone like gets the rights to uh like unilateral rights to all music uploaded to Bandcamp? I think that's something that could like happen within the next 50 years. Yeah. Uh you we know, don't if we're not careful. Yeah. And uh if you don't want your music to be owned by the person who will own Bandcamp, then it's gone forever. Um well, that's like a nightmare think... scenario, but
0: <laughs> How do you think podcast fits into this conversation, though? Because like, I think I trust podcasters just as much as I would trust like an article written by like an editor on Pitchfork or something like that.
2: I think it de- it depends because my I, I'm trying to think of how to how to phrase this. It's like I've noticed in terms of someone who's in both that this that at least like. The people that are taking in podcasts aren't necessarily taking in writing, and vice, vice versa. I've mm. I've I've noticed at least like, it, just because I like the written word, just because you can get in and out. Where sometimes I feel like with some podcasts, like there's a lot of filler in there to get to the actual meat. But oh, yeah. there are, but there is yeah. like, there is at like sometimes better work i think especially like i wish better yet was still here and stuff like that form of passion does a good job i think i like i i think like the long form interview stuff is in podcasts like beats the shit out of anything you're gonna see yeah on a big form publication but um right but i do worry about the documentation of of podcasts like what what happens when they're gone? Like, is someone gonna is someone gonna write this stuff down so I can carry on? Um, we're we're getting kind of off track here. A bit. <laughs> I mean, there's there's two podcasters
3: in this world that I trust, and their names are Josiah Hughes and Patrick Kindlin. Let's
2: Just to kind of wrap this piece up, so we can get to the main part uh, with this sort of retooling i know you're not exactly sure uh what it's gonna be but but at least now what um what can people expect from this revamped e-word or whatever you're thinking of calling it
0: yeah this will be the first time people are hearing about it yeah yeah <laughs> so true. pressures on to uh promise what we're going to do which we haven't really fleshed out more than just like a google doc full of yeah zany yeah, yeah, yeah. ideas and
3: me sometimes texting kyle we should do a jimmy Eat world episode uh, <laughs> but uh oh. yeah this, but you're right this is our military gun uh daisy moment for
0: a <laughs> pressure situation
1: <laughs>
0: hell yeah um so what can they expect i guess less strictly emo no like and i guess no newsy type of things no like commenting on the current happenings unless it's like unavoidable i suppose but yeah um, no gossip i guess yeah yeah no mm -hmm. no no goss um unless it's unavoidable yeah (laughs) unless we really got to talk about the 411 the hot goss (laughs) (laughs) um but i don't know just like Sort of in the realm of DIY, like emo, punk, hardcore, ska, yeah, <laughs> black t-shirt know. music, as as Jim put it,
3: uh, which is great. But yeah, definitely more of like a genre agnostic yeah. sort of attitude, um, and uh, yeah, definitely just less ties to um, like specific specific scenes. More of an mm-hmm. emphasis on built like a community i think um, Yeah,
0: yeah there's it. still guests that i want to chase down because oh 100 i mean like i'll talk about this and never actually like try and reach out but like i still want to talk to barry from joyce manor about so many things i have so many questions yeah. for that man <laughs> <laughs> why doesn't he ever play the same guitar i feel like every tour he has like a completely different fucking guitar why is that
3: did he really uh, suck titty by the ocean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah true. <laughs> um,
1: you, are you a sucking titty by the ocean poser? I don't know.
3: Are you a sucking titty by the ocean man or a sucking ass by the ocean man? <laughs> the,
1: the important <laughs> questions. The hard-hitting ones.
3: Yeah. Uh, we absolutely would be able to get Jeremy Bohm, I think. I'm very confident in our ability to get Jeremy pod. Yeah. Balm. Oh, God.
1: yeah.
2: Most people are within reach. I've mm-hmm. I've found, yeah, in this yeah. kind of community we're we're in, they're just a guy most of the time. Yeah,
3: that yeah. was something we learned, especially during a decade under the influence, is how easy it was to track people down and get them to come on, um, unless you had to go through a press person. And then Dude, it was like I don't possible.
0: think I don't think a press person actually got us an interview once. <laughs> no,
1: no, yeah. not once. That makes sense. Uh,
0: We actually almost
3: got Mike Kinsella via press person. Do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, maybe he like saw our podcast logo and pulled out.
1: (laughs) Uh, Holy shit. It's amazing. Yeah.
3: Uh, We got to make a new one of those too. I'll
0: also say it doesn't help when your first interview with Snowing sets up. Like, hey, we've had snowing on the podcast, and then everyone's like, okay, maybe I should actually read this email, or yeah. I'll, I'll read yeah, the yeah. rest of this email, yeah.
1: We want to talk some Blink, motherfuckers?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hell yeah, let's do it. Um, I'm going to save the usual Wikipedia stub, because it's Blink-182, and everybody knows who <laughs> the fuck Blink-182 is, right? Um, A band formed 82. in
3: 1992 in yeah. Poway, California?
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> Suburban San Diego, Blink One Eighty Two have been around for thirty years, which is fucking crazy. Um, and oh, yeah, that's like year. I like I said, this this episode isn't isn't your typical like treatment of Blink One Eighty Two because the Finn McKenzies of the world have done that a thousand times. <laughs> what we want to do uh, is instead of you know looking at Blink's trajectory as a commercial and cultural phenomenon, sort of at the macro level, um, which is all fine and good, like a lot of that analysis really falls short in like one department, which is, are there tracks? How are the tracks? Do the tracks have riffs and parts? How are the riffs and parts, right? Like the stuff that, you know, the, the cavalcade of core commentary around shit tends to focus on. Um, so we're gonna mostly focus on that here um, with some room for wiggle and some room for cultural stuff. Like we wanna keep it fast and loose. Um, but like, I wanna set a little context first. Um, like I think that it's important to just acknowledge that like Blink do come from like a very specific time and place, and like that trajectory has kind of been overshadowed by this big like monocultural thing that they became. Like California pop and skate punk in the early 90s was like a thing we've talked about it on, on here on the No Idea episode, but like from Jawbreaker to Green Day to Pennywise, like this kind of stuff was really a phenomenon at this point, and Blink did a good job out of the gate like even on their worst releases of kind of meshing these constituent styles together from like mm-hmm. a sound and a fashion perspective, which I think is important. And there was also the phenomenon of like the post Nirvana emotional hangover and commercial bonanza rock guitar music that feel like that's the thing that's been beaten to death at this point with the Dan Ozzie book and everything. Um, but I think that there's like a lot to be said for like blink really being like the right thing in the right place at the right time. Um, and, and like
3: like Dan Ozzy kind of pointed out, there was also the skate culture thing. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can kind of trace like uh, parallel lines between Blink's early days and some stuff like Big Brother magazine, and then like kind of Blink's explosive inflection point is the same as the jackass explosive yes.
1: inflection point. It's massive. Um, anyway, like I think that what we're gonna start off by doing is, you know, a pretty quick, like we always do on here, like a pretty quick around the horn on like you know what our respective intros to blink 182 were because i do think that that's still interesting even though they are like this monocultural thing that everybody knows about like everybody has on ramp so ellie we'll start with you
3: um i can see because it's one of the, it, the it's like green day and nirvana right like how how or like more than that like spider-man and batman you know like uh, I remember like being like a kid and thinking like, I have always known what these things are, (laughs) you know? Um, and so just, uh, I, I guess like the moment I really like became conscious of Blink-182 had to have been like hearing like, what's my age again? Um, like just on the radio or something. Um, and, but I, I think that like my, introduction to blink like vis-a-vis blink in context was uh you know in like late grade school um getting into you know punk and 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 hardcore and stuff and uh hearing of people just shit talking them as like a poser band um and uh, people talking about how they had sold out, and you should go listen to the, the these albums that they made before they sold out. So then I went and listened to early Blink, and was like, "Oh shit, this rocks!" And then I listened to their sellout albums, and I was like, "This rocks too." Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I think that the the first uh, the first Blink album I remember listening to all the way through is Dude Ranch. Yeah.
1: That's, I think that's, that's 90% of people, I feel like, <laughs> um, at least in the, in the, in the true certain head, age. true head world. Um, yeah, Kyle, how about you?
0: Um, so I remember the first time I heard the words Blink-182, and this is kind of interesting because I don't think people talk about this specific thing that you had to do in like 90s, 2000s. Um. When you wanted to buy t- uh concert tickets, you had to go to a Ticketmaster outlet, which was oh, at yeah. like um so I remember I was with my parents who were buying some sort of tickets for something and so the Ticketmaster outlet was at a JCPenney's I believe oh, shit. Oh, and man. my parents were there were like people standing outside of the jc penny before it was open. They're like, "Are you here to buy tickets for so and so?" And this like high school age kid turned around and was like no i'm here to buy tickets for blink 182 I was like what is that. So that's how so that's so I don't remember if I went home and like looked up blink 182 or something like that I don't even know I had internet at that point, but that but that but that was the first time I was like what what is blink 182 that was the first time I heard the words blink 182 but um I got into the band itself. um, Just by watching music videos and MTV before going to school and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I believe, like. I remember seeing like probably Take Off Your Pants and Jacket era stuff. Um, that was the first CD I got by them. And I guess this sort of colored my whole Blink-182 universe was I had to buy edited CDs growing up. So I could- You got instrumental could- happy holidays. Yes, <laughs> ex- exactly. Um, so I don't know if I actually heard like the full album of Enema of the State until like way later in my life because I remember not being able to find an edited copy of that CD. Um so yeah, take off your pants and jacket was my main blink one eighty two time.
2: You go um somewhere to LA I don't know life without this band. (laughs) Um like really early like basically I don't I basically learned how to play guitar by just learning Blink-182 riffs on Ultimate Gu- Ultimate Guitar, which was the tab website.
3: UltimateGuitar.com um, was the mm, spot.
2: Yeah, uh, right? Okay. Um, and I think I came in, it was like, it might have been like middle school or like sixth grade when I started convincing, trying to beg my mom to buy me CDs at Target. And to get the bang for your buck, I would just, I did greatest hits. So I didn't know Another Girl, Another Planet was a cover for, like, the longest Mm. time. Um, And so that's how I I got in. And if there was other tracks I wanted to hear, I would once again try to convince my parents to let me buy a track off off of iTunes. So, like, I didn't even really explore the albums for the longest time.
3: Wait, Hugo, so... When you when you think of damn it, do you think of damn it or do you think of the version of dammit that has that weird like drum roll like in the beginning? The like leading up to like the the rest of the band coming in.
2: I think it's the I think it's the first one you said, I'm not sure though. I'd have to think about about, about that. Um because I was also like a fused kid, so whatever um. that, that version was would be. Would be the same one, like Steven's titled Rock Show is basically how I got into music like as a as a kid. So that was my my on-ramp, but I feel like I feel like in college I have like my rediscovery with them that we'll get in get into when I paid more attention to the albums. But I wasn't mm-hmm. I was more of a singles kid with Blink, but they were still my favorite band in the whole world until I got bullied for like them in high school.
1: I think that Kyle and I are around the same age. So sort of similar experiences. I was an MTV baby. Um, I was a horrible, horrible, incorrigible insomniac as a child. And so I actually, uh, around 1997, I started like getting up in the middle of the night and just watching MTV. (laughs) mtv did this power hour like block of um music videos that tended to be kind of more in the alt world um and that was right around the time where dude ranch was out damn it was out and so i remember hearing damn it like late at night on mtv at some point in 97 um that obviously is the biggest earworm ever so it stuck with me um i didn't dive in I didn't even dive in when Enema came out. That was just, again, the monoculture in the ether stuff. What really hit for me was Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. That was the first one that I actually bought because I was at my um, buddy's house that we would always hang out at. And his older brother had like that and Sticks and Stones and the Young and the Hopeless. <laughs> so this was like early, um, it like sometime in 02. Um, and also Bleed American. Um, and so I, I really like got bit by the Blink-182 bug then. And I think to this day, um, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket remains like the most important album um, for me from them, from like a sentimental perspective. But then I started high school in 03 and fucking um, the self-titled came out the summer before I started high school. And so self-titled was like the, the soundtrack to high school for me. Um, so I, that's all to say, Blink one Eight two had a pretty lockstep relationship with me growing up. And um, I will say that like there are there are pop punk bands from era from that era that I like more, but blink one eighty two is like undeniably the most important. So um, yeah.
3: Your story kind of unlocked this bizarre memory for me, of also being like a horrible insomniac um, as like a child. And like wake being awake at 3 a.m. and VH1 would do these r- reruns of like old 120 minutes episodes. Yo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I'd get to like see Matt Pinfield, who like, if anyone here is uh 25 and younger, they 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 would not know. But Matt Pinfield was like, uh, if uh uncle fester and uh <laughs> the dude who uh founded trouser press like had a baby yeah um yeah, yeah just like this en- this encyclopedia of music who just looked like vaguely uncomfortable all the time um but yeah the like i think past midnight uh blocks of music programming uh really changed a lot for a lot of people because mm-hmm. Hugo, you're talking about Steven's untitled rock show. That was another like big inflection
0: point, I think, and in our youths and a lot of other people's. Yeah, my grandma had satellite, so I remember every time we went up to northern Wisconsin to visit her, I'd be stoked to watch like Headbangers Ball because that was on like mm-hmm. MTV Two, which wasn't on basic cable. Was that Jamie Jasta era? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like watch music videos that like literally just like scared me because I'd never seen videos like that.
3: Yeah, 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 dude, metal videos on fucking MTV Two used to like scare me yeah yeah i
1: mean those were that's, also the, the metal videos back then were fucking scary <laughs> Like, it was yeah. like the, the scariest time for metal new, new metal um in the when you catch me in the right mood with like a mud vein video i still get fucking spooked. Uh, that's, <laughs> like,
3: that's true was, and then there was like the era where it all became uh and this was like post, like 2009 i think like the deathcore era is when this started but when they yeah. all became like these like uh, miniature films like trying to be Saw. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Like every, every single one of them was like a girl tied to a chair and like a dirty fucking warehouse, and it clearly was like just the singer, like meant to be the singer's ex girlfriend.
0: Uh, just basically a really whatever Vane is doing now for music videos, that's what yes. you're talking yeah. about. <laughs>
1: yeah, Vane has like this this wonderful like a historical mashup of new metal and deathcore tropes, and it's like... Yeah. Comes through in the music and also all the media. It's cool. Yeah. Um, well, fucking a. Um, are ready to talk some records?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
1: All right. Speedball and perhaps these first two. We'll just see how it goes. Buddha, nineteen ninety four. Kung Fu Records. Let's let's talk about it. Um, Ellie, okay. we're we're gonna go L- order operations. Ellie, Cal, Hugo, and me for these. Let's okay. Stick with that
3: uh there's two versions of buddha um Mm. i don't know how many people uh were just like tracking down all the ancient uh blink-182 demos on like the pirate bay and shit uh in the mid-2000s but there are two versions of buddha uh there is one that includes a very regrettable song uh entitled transvestite um but uh, the one that most people remember, I think is the one that's currently on Spotify. It has a little bit more cleaned up production and it has uh, don't on it and it has the screeching weasel cover on it. Um, the screeching weasel cover is really, really good. Like it sounds uh, maybe even better than the original screeching weasel song. Uh, and I say this as someone who is like regrettably a very big screeching weasel fan. Um, that's yeah that's like one of my bigger one of my bigger shames one of my one of my bigger like uh
1: problematic faves yeah the person
3: i i blink probably are like almost directly responsible for me getting into screeching weasel too now that i think about it but um uh I think that it's debatable whether the version of carousel on this ver- on, on Buddha or Cheshire Cat is superior. Uh, mo- usually I go to the Cheshire version, but sometimes the Buddha version just like Mark's sick voice. like he was like super, super sick when they recorded it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so the like he kind of interjects during the chorus and it just sounds super sick, I think. Yeah. Um, I think Tom's guitar sounds great, uh, super raw uh and this was like before he like decided to play nursery rhymes instead of like six skate punk solos. Um so you just like get like just like this full blast of like equally influenced it sounds like by like dinosaur junior and lagwagon. Um it sounds a lot like some of like the the more technical bits sound like influenced by all uh the post descendants band all. Um there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot to like on Buddha. Um, Scott's drums are not good yet. Uh, they, (laughs) they get good, but they do not sound good on this record, but I kind of dig it. Um, and this record has Reebok commercial, which I think is like, uh, one of the most underrated early blank songs. I like Reebok commercial a lot.
1: Oh
0: yeah. So I really don't have a lot of intelligent things to say about Buddha. Um, I, when I was younger and trying to get into like older Blink just because I knew that was like a cool move to do I felt so alienated by it and I was trying to think about it recently and like how to talk about how I felt about the first two Blink albums and it sort of reminded me of like watching the first season or like the first couple of episodes of like south park or like the simpsons where like the animation is just so crude that it makes me kind of physically sick (laughs) but i but but i know it's kind of funny and kind of cool and i know what's going to come after getting through it and i think that's the closest to how i can articulate how i feel about early pre-dude ranch blink where it's like that's i a... know it's good it's a little bit just too crass like tom just sounds so fucking nasally and snotty but it's still catchy but it still just makes me feel weird <laughs> i think that's a great comparison too because like
3: just like early simpsons in south park like it does feel more genuinely
0: like subversive and countercultural. Yeah. but yeah. the writing just
3: isn't as good yet yeah. Like it's not quite there.
0: Yeah, and they just haven't gotten in the room with like the right producers or right studios and shit like that. Um yeah. but a lot of how I a lot of how I felt or a lot of how I've learned to love Buddha songs or just Blink 155 100% just because just yeah. them playing covers and covers and covers and finding and just pointing out like funny lines and stuff like that. Um yeah, like like strings. I would have never thought to listen to strings, but like and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I don't return to Buddha very often at all. Um, but I, but thanks to Blink One Fifty Five, I can say like I have a favorite song from
2: this album and stuff like that. You go. Um, I similarly don't think about Buddha so much so that I forgot to listen to it. Oh, <laughs> I just, shut. I just went. I just went right to Cheshire Cat because for some reason, I, I guess just because they both have there's some crossover in the songs. I'm like, for some reason, I'm like, oh, this is basically the same thing, right? I don't need to listen. I don't need to listen to Buddha. And it's just like, it feels like a completely different band in a, mm-hmm. in a, in a good way. I think this is where you can tell they're most clearly influenced by the skate skate punk stuff because this is before... Like, I forget Dude Ranch is a major label record, essentially. So, like, it makes sense that this is the scrappy stuff. But it's, like, it's less scrappy than the stuff that came before, which is, like... the I think...
3: Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I think Cheshi technically is also a major label record in as much as uh, Grilled Cheese is an imprint of Cargo that was, like, created specifically because, like... The record label dude's son was really into blink uh so it was like yeah. almost it was like a like a prototype of the the fallout boy situation like the take this to your grave boy situation um that's that that's besides the point i'm sorry for interrupting
2: no that's fine it's it's good to be corrected on something like that because what i said was incorrect um, and no, it's
3: it's completely useless correction. There's no reason for anyone to know this information. Please don't.
2: <laughs> it, was, it was in the sellout book and I totally already blanked on that. <laughs> um but yeah, like not not a not a record that I would feel particular that I would come to any other reason but for this episode, which I didn't, so I didn't do my job. Hell
1: yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> you're starting to hear like a lot of the the tropes already like for as much as this, this does just sound like, like crimp or 15 or any of the other like California pop punk stuff from the early nineties, for the most part, like there are starting to be like, you're starting to see the tropes that do end up getting echoed down the line. The, stru- the, 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 the bass chords, the mm, um, yeah. simple, yeah. catchy leads um, there. It's just this, it's impossible to overstate how much this is just like a Cali at 90s pop punk record. Like, um, 21 days, like musically literally just sounds like a fucking jawbreaker B side. Like, right. uh, and like, th- it's funny because this, and I was listening to this album. I was like, this album is giving fucking high school talent show, but, um, Ooh, yeah, but it's, yeah. but it's like, but it's ironic that like high school talent shows are sort of permanently, <laughs> um, shaped by blink <laughs> like yes. they, they ended up being the blueprint for the high school talent show shitty band um and and i think that you know accidentally that those bands uh you know everybody's first fucking high school band uh ends up organically sounding like um like this era of blink because that's the stage that blink we're at
3: i do think it's interesting that you bring up crime shrine 15 because I do think that those those guys uh, were, forgive me, too punk for the blank dudes. Um, yeah. Like I I I think that uh, they they you can like go back and find zine interviews with Tom and Mark from like around this era, and they mm-hmm. think that that whole the whole Bay Area stuff is just full of like uh, l- lame vegan pussies basically um that makes sense to me i but i definitely hear like an, a sh- shit ton of no fx and screeching weasel specifically um, yeah. on this record and a little bit a little bit of descendants um yeah, that's...
1: literally right before we logged on i saw somebody on twitter say um uh, blink 182 is just mid descendants i
2: want to slap that person <laughs> i
1: know I was just like, I do not agree with that, but it is what it if is. If anything,
3: blink 182 are less misogynist descendants. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
1: a, that's a fact. Um, let's talk Cheshi, 1995, grilled cheese, which uh, as Ellie pointed out, imprint of cargo. Um, let's go.
3: Uh Cheshi is sick. Um, I may have listened to this record more than untitled. Um, I've listened I've listened to Cheshi a lot. Uh I think uh, partially because um, I think it flows really well. Um, like, it it doesn't really, like, sag in the middle. Um, and uh, I always, like, the joke tracks are really dumb, but I've always enjoyed listening to, like, um, like, the, the, the vocal riffing that they do, like, when they're quoting Airplane for, like, an extended period of time. Um, I always thought that was, like, really fun. It's just, like, an easy record to to just play. Um, Eminem's is sick. It's got like maybe uh, top 10 sickest Tom riffs ever in that song. Um, But uh, there's a lot of like um, interesting lyrical stuff and musical stuff on this record that I think that they don't really ever go back to. I think TV is like almost a political song like not quite, but like almost. Um I think sometimes is borderline hardcore. Uh, and that's not yeah. a thing that they really go back to uh very much. Uh Strings and Fentuzler both have uh kind of just like this uh this uh really spiteful vibe. Uh and I believe those are both Mark songs. Um and Mark really only channels that kind of, like, spiteful thing and, like, songs like Shut Up. Um, But you can, like, kind of, like, see the seeds for that there. Cacophony is a Midwest emo song, 100%. Yes. Um, Great song, too. Uh, It, like, builds up and pays off like a motherfucker. Um, Peggy Sue is another, like, if this was written by uh, someone who... Uh, was not elected to Homecoming King, yeah, maybe this like, could have been like a political song. <laughs> you know? Um, but I really, I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy Cheshi. And uh, I think that it does not get the respect it deserves, partially because it's kind of bad. Uh, <laughs> that is just an objective fact. Uh, but it's extremely charming.
0: Yeah, I was intimidated by this one when I was, like in middle school and high school because I did have a copy of this on CD at some point um, and was sort of like intimidated because it wasn't like as immediately catchy and stuff as like enema and take off your pants and jacket like I don't know this is obviously way more punk than take off your pants and jacket and way less polish and stuff like that but I just remember when I play it, I basically just play Carousel and M&Ms and just go back to those songs. Like I would hardly make it to Fentuzler, which is ridiculous mm-hmm. to think. Um, But when you spend money on a CD, you just want to get like pleasure out of it and not challenge yourself that much. Yeah,
3: I forgot to mention a wasting time, which is like a late in the track list. But that's like maybe my favorite song off this record. Um It's like one of my like favorite
1: about... Blink songs, at period. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's an
0: absolutely just a great song. Um, yeah it's just weird and, to think that like you like um i had to be like mature enough to appreciate this album because <laughs> when i was like in middle school i was just like well, what is this i just want to hear some na 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 na's and shit like that
3: yeah you just said that about a song uh that includes uh the random phrase and in my town you can't drive naked like yeah oh <laughs> no yeah. Um,
2: yeah i see yeah. my time yeah <laughs> um Yeah, I. Cheshire Cats, great. Still like very embryonic version of the band, but I think Tom's like guitar style is like that he'll kind of hone in on is like here like Ellie's ever wasting time. Like I, for the life of me, as like a fifteen-year-old, could never figure out how to play that. That just because I'm not very good at guitar, and if it felt like then he was playing. Like a lot like a lot of notes in that opening in that opening mm-hmm. riff. Um Eminem's is a fucking banger. Uh carousel's the only song that I've ever heard that made me want to learn bass, which is the most uncool thing you can try wanna learn when you're that young, at least for me. Um yeah, I yeah, this this record's this this record's great, um, but similarly with would only really stick to carousel and I'm similar to kyle like i i still haven't totally cracked cracked this record even revisiting it later and i think it is that whole unpolished thing but i think that's that's part of that's part of the part of the charm even like it it feels like it feels like 16 or 17 year olds wrote it and like the best the best way possible. Even even the choices they make aren't necessarily like the right choices, which is always a thing I I love in punk especially.
3: Does my breath smell really stands out to me in that regard? Um, it, the the beginning of that song is so weird. Um, who makes up all the rules about those girls I want? <laughs> like. That sounds like I'm like doing a voice making fun of Tom. But that's actually a very accurate impression of that. At the yeah. beginning of that song, I
2: promise. Or, or even Touchdown Boy, like the. Oh yeah. Like I, I love that song, but it's it's like so sophomoric. but, yeah. I, but I but I love it.
0: What were the singles <laughs> yeah. from this album? Like, like how did they blow they made, up on this album? They made a video for Eminem's.
3: Um, okay, I, I know that, that makes sense. I guess. Uh, yeah, I. But the the reason they blew up on this album is because they were on the first Warp tour, I believe.
2: Right. Yep. Yeah. That's.
3: And so, and then they got stuff uh, put like on skate videos and stuff, yeah. like uh, yeah, yeah. like Volcom videos and whatnot, snowboard videos. And man,
1: the power of it's it's worth pointing out to people who don't know that like the power of skate videos. Like, mm-hmm. even, like, prior to, you know, to the Tony Hawk soundtrack taking this phenomenon to the next level, like, the power of skate videos for agenda setting and, like, putting bands on the map was fucking huge. Yeah. During this yeah. entire era. Like, and Blink really benefited from it. So, um, I don't have a lot to say that hasn't already been said. I think Wasting Time is one of the strongest songs in the entire discography.
3: Yeah, um, I love that song.
1: And... I just think I think that they're doing like they're really this record is underrated in the sense that like back when I first got into Blink this was sort of considered because this was like oh one I got into really got into Blink and this was still considered like the record for the true heads right like and I think that that sort of faded into being dude ranch over the years but like they're really doing what they can on this record with the musical chops they have and like they're really doing some important musical world building like with like coming up with you know guitar lead tropes that end up getting echoed down the line and like by kind of all the pop punk bands, right like there you hear stuff in this record that ends up getting echoed by the newfound glory starting Line, bands like that down the line um and I just I think that it's like it gets overshadowed kind of how influential this this album was it's it's a banger I'm definitely like I actually think that one of the upshots of this exercise for me is that I'm going to come back to Cheshire on a pretty regular basis, just because I think yeah. it been charming.
3: Yeah. Um, this is like totally tangential, but does everyone here have a favorite skate video? Yes.
1: <laughs> that was
2: not a skate video. No. Good. Yeah. Um,
1: You want to, you want to know what my favorite skate video is, Ellie? Yeah. 100%. No, it's not mall grab. I can't fucking say it's mall grab. Sincerely mall grab is a close second, but my favorite is Baker three
3: oh that's a yeah. baker three is a very good one my favorite is uh video days uh okay. plan B's questionable it's like right up there though and my uh my dad really liked animal chin growing up so i got
1: animal chin is so fucking dope um yeah. animal I,
3: chin's re- so goofy.
1: I remember renting renting animal chin in high school from the little uh or from the little independent video store in my hometown uh very very cool um on to 1997 and Dude Ranch on MCA. Ellie. Uh,
3: this is a five star record. I think this is like about as perfect as a pop punk record gets. A um, uh, damn it, I is, uh, and not many people know this about me, but damn it is like tied with God Only Knows by the Beach Boys for like my favorite song of all time. <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs> I love that for you.
3: Yeah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Um, but there's like there's not one moment that I would take away from this record I would keep uh even the uh the the part at the end after the feedback and I'm sorry where Tom or Mark is like making a dog drink his piss like it's all like super essential um and I think that there's just like this this very elemental uh primordial aspect to dude ranch, uh, that comes out. Mark Trombino, uh, just kind of made, made the guitar sound so big on this record. Um, but also very, uh, very tight. Uh, it almost sounds like Tom's guitar, almost sounds hardcore. Uh, like during the palm mute sections, it sounds like almost a little chuggy. Um, And I think it just adds like a lot of kick. Uh, I think Scott's drumming has like never sounds better than on this record. Um, I really love that there Mark Mark was like at peak Sig Mark uh, on this record. So there's like many moments where you can like hear him straining just out of his range. Um, Also, this record has apple shampoo. So it's like unfuckwithable. Like that is a perfect song. Um, I like... Damn it may have my heart, but like Apple shampoo, I think is like the true best Blink song in my opinion. Um, but there's not there's not one miss on this record.
0: Yeah, I think this is. I think this ranks at number four on my ranking for Blink 22 which I think is way lower you than a lot of people. Um. I really love the vibe of dude ranch like I think they're like when like people say we're going to start a band that sounds like old blink 182 they mean dude ranch I think and yeah. um, just like when people say they want to dress like old blink 182 they think about like yeah I think like this is like the start of really being like cool blink 182 um, and I think like yeah damn it is like the most profound piece of punk music or whatever or yeah. pop punk at least it's just such a fucking profound song ellie already said it but like mark is like screaming that whole time and like yeah you, and like i never really noticed that until like really just like listening to it um but yeah my favorites like besides damn it um i really like enthused i think enthused is probably like my second favorite track enthused on dude ranch really
3: good um, uh Use is great because it has no song structure whatsoever yeah yeah uh,
0: it's it just like shredding somehow it, it ends up in a chorus and stuff like that um josie is one of my favorite songs as well um josie's got just as good of a bass part as carousel
3: um yeah absolutely I talks about how good that bass part is uh i'm sorry for just like trampling all over your section kyle but <laughs> no
0: you're good you're you're um the true fan um and then <laughs> well you said when people like start bands
3: that sound like old blank that this is the record that they go to uh this is the record that the first title fight album sounds like yes so, like, yeah, yeah. Like.
1: big time big time that's a fucking hot call out but i'm absolutely here for it it's 100 percent true
0: yeah yeah um, but yeah, I like um besides Tom uh really coming in uh to himself on this album, um yeah, I think Scott's drumming is remarkable. Um but I think it's more of like how it's recorded. That's what makes it so impactful because his drums sound so fucking perfect. And like I feel like punk drums are kind of like hard to get to sound so perfect. And um yeah, Mark Crembino nailed it. I mean, yeah, this is Drive like Jehu, man. This is yeah.
3: Rocket from the Crypts, man. Like yeah. he knows, he knows how to make punk sound fucking great in
2: 1997. Yeah, you go. Yeah. Didn't did Trombino do Clarity, or am I wrong yep. on that? He
3: did because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I know in the which point, is a completely different sound altogether too. Oh,
2: totally. Because I know when I was in the Dan Ozzy book, like a big reason they went with Trombino was because he did Clarity from yep. if I'm if I'm correct, which yeah. is. Just to bring it back around to know <laughs> Um, yeah, I I think this was a record that as a kid I didn't ever spend time with. Like I liked the singles, but I feel like as I got older, when I talked to to friends of mine, they were always like, This is the record. So I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get deeper onto it. Um, pathetic is like, one of my favorite Blink songs period same um,
1: it's my favorite song on this album
2: like i and it's it's just the classic tom tom riff that like i'll that like he there's no one better that's at writing an opening riff than him in in my opinion um obviously damn it classic uh dick lips even though you know <laughs> the name <laughs> Is is dick lips, but once again, like as a theme with me, like I just love that opening rift so much that like it just draw it draws me in every single time. Even like even a new hope, which is just a song about Star Wars, but I still I still love I still love a new hope, Apple Shampoo. Classic. Uh the bridge
3: of new hope the bridge of a new hope, like where like it just breaks down into that like instrumental uh kind of speed out to 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 the end and like tom's super sick solo is so fucking good
2: (laughs) yeah yeah and like to my to my ears now like you i don't i don't i don't know it doesn't even though it is a major label record it doesn't feel like that when i was when I listen to it. It sounds per it sounds great, but something about it still it still feels like it still feels like blink to me. I I don't I don't know exactly where I'm going with that, but something something about it doesn't feel it doesn't feel slick, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You
3: know, you brought up the Jimmy Orl connection and that just reminded me about Emo, which somehow none of us have brought up yet. Um, <laughs> but that song is so fucking sick uh the end where uh tom is just like tom and mark are just like doing like the simultaneous screen thing like that actually sounds like taking back sunday uh yes long before taking back sunday um and it also has like like that discordant uh tremolo picked bridge um which they ended up kind of reusing the idea for uh and every time i look for you the sun goes down um yeah take off uh but, but like it sounds like super noise rock, like post-hardcore, like in- indebted. Um, and this was before, I think, uh, Travis got Tom into like Fugazi and shit. So <laughs> that's kind of impressive.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I think that just, just to pull on a thread that you put out, I, I think that it's this record sees kind of a lot, or at least like a, a, no- a noticeable amount of like Tom Mark vocal interplay. Like, which I think is always, like, especially in, this, in the power trio setting, always, like, a fucking super power move. And mm-hmm. I really love it when Blink does it. Like, I love it when any band does it, but when Blink does it, it seems very special.
2: Yeah. They're, like, the best The best at it.
1: Yeah. They really are. Like, like even the- better than Chuck and Chris. And I'm not, and that's, I don't say that lightly,
2: because... But but Chuck and Chris feel like they're like fighting to get on top yeah, of each it's, other. It's a,
1: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a different
2: vibe. it's a different vibe. I love different.
1: it. Well shit. Um, y'all y'all have literally said everything that I was gonna say. The only thing that I'll add is that like I think that this again just because this is the first this album was literally transitively through. Damn it, and hearing damn it on MTV at three a.m. one random uh, night in the summer of '97 was literally like. The reason that I'm into any of this shit, like if you trace it all the way back, like that's the root node. It's just me yeah. here, damn it. And yeah. this is like this is a record that I every now and then um, put put back into my rotation. And I think I have a feeling that you know, at the ripe age of 33, that this is going to become my go-to Blink record, <laughs> like um, because I, I admittedly haven't haven't spent as much time with it as you know enema sort of the enema through self-titled block and that needs to change um that is to say like i've spent disgusting amounts of time with all Blink 182 records because i'm a millennial Uh, but yeah um that being said let's let's move on to enema of the state 99
3: there's a lot to say about enema um especially from like a cultural standpoint, because I feel like you could, make argu- you could make the argument that this was the record that marked the transition from the punk explosion of the 90s to the true commodification of the sound and aesthetic in the yes. early 2000s. Uh, this record is absolutely like, it. it was the go to sell out record um like for 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 like dudes who care about selling out um and uh i have kind of always felt like um it's warranted in terms of production it's a much glossier record uh but songwriting wise it actually uh, sticks, at, like there are just as many moments on Enema that stick to the Dude Ranch kind of blueprint as there are songs that uh, kind of move away from that format. Like for every kind of uh, more branch into uh, mid-tempo territory, uh, I you have a track like The Party Song um, or Dysentery Gary, which feels like, at, like, like uh, they absolutely could have been, like, one of the joke tracks on Dude Ranch. Um, and I think that the addition of Travis uh, actually allows them to play, like, way faster uh, yes. than with Scott. Uh, but Travis is playing fast in a less punk way than Scott played fast. Uh, he plays fast, like, in a ska way. Um, like, and uh i mean you can hear it more later as like the career progresses and he starts bringing in influences from hip-hop and stuff like that but um i i think that they're and they talked they've talked about this on several occasions that they didn't think about like dynamics and like slowing songs down for certain sections until travis came into the band was like hey how about we like change up the songwriting for like these sections um and uh like a like a a track like Mutt I think has a lot of like Travis's songwriting on it. Um and uh, I don't mean this uh as as a diss but "Mutt" also happens to be my least favorite song on this record. I mean it's fine, but I just mm-hmm. like I'm not a huge fan of it. Um but all that being said, uh there are some fucking phenomenal tracks on this album. Don't Leave Me is a great great song uh going away to college is a great great song um uh, what's my age again is their best single from this era uh and uh as you can uh sort of hear on uh the live album tom can't actually play it uh which i think is great um (laughs) are we going to talk about the mark tom and travis show by the way i think maybe we should talk about it a little but
1: Yeah, we talk about a little, do a little side quest into it whenever. Yeah,
3: we'll we'll inroad into it. Um, I think Adam's song is a big turning point for this band um, in terms of like, hey, we can get serious about having to like couch it in anything or make it like too fast. Um, And we can be like openly vulnerable and not afraid of writing terrible lyrics about apple juice. Um, oh yeah yeah but uh, that Wendy Clear is a great song and uh, I think Anthem is kind of a perfect closer like it kind of is like uh, the song that kind of confirms that Blink-182 are going to be writing about uh, the experience of teenager dumb and heightened emotions I think like that is uh like a like a real thesis statement song for them.
1: It's an agenda setter for sure. And it's also a power move to end a, to end an album that strong. Like it's one yes. of the admirable things about this record. And it's got some
0: of Travis's best drumming on that track.
1: Totally. Kyle?
0: Yeah, I I didn't really give this full album like a full listen until like way after for some reason. I think it was just because I couldn't find the edited version of the CD, so I never like got it and then like hearing the non-singles for the first time was like really like knocked me on my ass um but when i think about this album and like the songwriting it just seems and like they've confirmed this and i think it's like written about in like in travis's book specifically about how they really didn't overwrite anything on this song they just kind of like banged it out they just stood in a room and like wrote this album or something like that and like in like a week or something like that, and that comes through where it's like nothing is so overthought or nothing is really overdone. Um, and I think that's like the big charm of it is like it's so simple and it all just makes complete sense. It's just like every song is just three chords, um, and like all the riffs are just like one note, second note, go to the third note, go back to the first note, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think like really like i think aliens exists. maybe like a top three blink song for me um i it's like the perfect (laughs) yeah like the the bridge in that song is so fucking good i it just like kills me for some reason um yeah i don't know like there's so much to say about this album um yeah, going away to college, another one that is like, if I want to hear a blank song, I'm going to go to, like, Aliens Exist and going away to college because I haven't, like, completely worn out those songs at this point in my life. Um, but, yeah, and I also agree uh What's My Age Again is the best single
2: from this album. Hugo? Uh, yeah, this this might be just, it's, this might be my favorite blank. Blink record just because like this is the one I connected to the earliest which makes which makes sense be- because it's just I don't know the the most the most catchy I think it's like everything that they were doing well on dude ranch is just more polished like what's like what's my what's my age again is that once again that oh op- that opening riff it's it's like something that they return to a lot, which is just like we're just going to move the root note around and keep and just keep the the high G and high B repeating. And it's just essentially a cheat code that Tom Tom um, Tom unlocks, not not on this record, but he just keeps keeps doing like at nauseum and I don't it never gets it never gets old for me. Uh, everyone said going away to college, but I still, that one was like, that one was more of a discovery because it's, it's not a single and it's, and like, it's such, I just love, once again, love that opening, love that opening riff. Um, I kind of, I kind of hate the party song. I don't know why. Oh, but... it's super sexist. <laughs> <laughs> fact. It's,
3: yeah. it's unbelievably sexist. Um, uh, also Mark alludes to a terrible ska band, uh which I can only assume is like a veiled diss at Dancehall Crashers. Um he's still uh, maybe yeah. a little, little upset at Elise from well, dancehall
0: crashers for his okay. art. Um yeah. So in reading multiple ska books the summer that that those ska was that last summer. Um I think there so, was yeah. yeah, there was one book that mentioned that Travis uh, Travis, I think, was engaged to the singer of Save Ferris, And this is in two different wow. books where Travis mentions some band that he won't mention. But then another book mentioned everyone by name. And I was like, this has got to be the same person. So there's like multiple ska beefs relationship-wise within Blink, I believe. Yeah. Damn, the, the tea.
1: Yeah. We came here for tea and it's getting served.
0: I mean, that's like detective work. I feel like yeah. I'm a Scott detective sometimes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool, Scott detective, Let's go. <clears throat> Love it. Um, this, it's just so undeniable that how much of a game changer songwriting was, adding Travis to the band was, right? Like, um, and this for me, and we've alluded to this, but for as much as like, Dude ranch was the logical extreme of blink as a pop punk band and that was like the most sort of sharpened version of that steel. This record is their first sort of their coming out party as being a pop band with punk skin right like mm-hmm. and I think that that's like that's interesting like because I think that to tie this really quickly to more current events like that is what glow on felt like with me for turnstile um, where like oh, turnstile is a pop band with hardcore hardcore skin on it um and i just i think it's like really interesting like this is there is the biggest jump uh in terms of just the style of songwriting um that is given especially travis's legacy and impact in the the music world since here like Uh, it's it's just big (laughs) big
3: big it's 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 been talked about a few times, but where you can see, I think that that thesis you just laid out kind of borne out most is in um, the music video for all the small things, uh, which is just uh, kind of like this playful skewering of, you know, boy bands and Britney Spears and whatnot. But it also is kind of this announcement that like, hey, we're here and we're ready to play in this sandbox like. It, it, similar to what Eminem was doing around the same time, like, oh, we can make fun of all this stuff, but the reason that we can make fun of all this stuff is because you know we're all neighbors, basically. Yeah,
2: yeah. And Jim, your your little thing about I feel like with all Travis Barker's collaborations, like Machine Gun Kelly and all of that, they're trying to aim for this record, in my yeah. opinion, more than anything else that Travis has done if if you listen to tickets to my downfall
1: yeah i mean like this was like the blueprint right this was like travis's this was travis's coming out party right like this was him planting his flag in the sand and saying like listen bitch like this is (laughs) this is my world and y'all are just fucking living in it like that's and like um i i do think that like it's pretty undeniable that travis barker is a a good songwriter whether you like what he does or not i go back and Mm. forth on how much i appreciate him stylistically like i like him as a drummer because as a drummer he's like fucking ape shit but i don't know yeah shall we move on to take off your pants and jackets
3: yeah i i feel like maybe my opinion on this record is a little different from most people's opinion on this record or most people in this chat I, I would say um Go for it. not to say that I dislike this record because I don't I think the b side is literally 10 out of 10 um I got some problems with the a side I, I do have some issues um I think that uh the a side is blink kind of straining to follow up enema uh songwriting wise in a lot of respects yeah. I feel like anthem part two uh for as sick as so many parts of that song is it doesn't quite cohere i think the chorus is a bit too bombastic um online songs is perfect online songs is 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 the perfect song
1: online songs is the perfect pop punk song there's never been a pop punk song written ever
3: yeah unfuck with the bull song um the rock show and first day i think are kind of like self-explanatorily bad those are bad songs um story of a lonely guy is a bad song it's awful Uh, i hate that song um and i this might be a hot take but i think stay together for the kids fucking sucks uh i think it's a plotting turgid wreck (laughs) i think it's
1: i think it's i think it's the weakest song in their whole catalog like or at least it's way up there like at least their
3: whole catalog buddy (laughs) oh no no, post the
1: post anima stuff in the post anima stuff no that's in the in the butter zone i don't mean any of the, any of the fucking shit post breakup I, I don't even i don't even think of that stuff in the same league which is you know something that we're going to talk about down the line like
0: can you, you not know? can you guys not appreciate just the stomp into the chorus like the heavy stomp into the chorus
1: of course yeah <laughs> Again, good parts don't constitute a good song though. So, like Yeah,
0: I I feel like that's like sweetness level of just like stomp into like a gigantic fucking like heavy esque chorus. I think that's what like a lot of bands try and aim. for. I do like
3: Tom's voice in that chorus. I feel like Tom is like pushing his voice to some limits there. Uh, Happy holidays, you bastard is also solid. I think that's one of the more solid tracks. Uh, But I do think that like most of the songs on the A side could have been switched out for uh time to break up or uh what's the other one the other bonus track that was only on some versions of this record um do you guys know what i'm talking about
1: yeah
0: there's like like a seven inch that has all of them that came out with like the original pressing right
3: yeah Yeah. but there was like the red uh like the the red plane and the yellow pants oh uh, yeah Yeah. of the out each had like a bonus track and like an acoustic joke track um oh yeah time to break up or what went wrong those are the those are the two like solid bonus tracks that i think could have been on the a side in place of some of the less ambitious stuff they were doing
0: is mother's but the day B side oh mother's day is hilarious but um uh, that's on this right yeah it's one okay. of the bonus tracks
1: but
3: oh sorry no No, go for
1: it i I thought you landed the plane say all you need to say
3: (laughs) i was going to say but the b-side is phenomenal every song on the b-side of this record is a fucking ripper uh roller coaster is perfect reckless abandon is perfect every time i look for you i think uh steals the title for best song on this record uh from online songs by like a hair maybe maybe it's just like a tie um i think give me one good reason is like an ugly song but it's underrated uh shut up is one of the best angry mark songs but i still can cannot figure out whether it's about like a wife or a mother uh, <laughs> like <laughs> when you listen to those lyrics it's like really hard to tell um and please take me home is really really fucking good like all those songs are really great
1: Shut up is my favorite Blink 182 song, full stop. I've wow. That Whoa. Tape, but, but that's that's just it. by like the B side of this record is the alpha and omega of Blink for me. Like I'm so yeah. glad that you wow. that you doubled down on how fucking good it is. That's that's my piece that I need to say about the record that I haven't already said. I've I see my time entirely. That's all I need to fucking say. Kyle? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, this is the one that I had. This is my introduction to A Two full album. Um, I know, so, yeah. I, like, if I wish I could have Last FM Scrabble, like, the CDs that were in my CD player when I was in middle school, because it would probably be, like, mostly this, and then maybe never Nevermind. Um, mm. There was just always in my CD player, and I was always listening to it uh probably the reason why i wanted to play guitar um but um, listening to it now i feel like i'm way more critical about it and just like i think i think a lot of songs on the first half just sound straight up annoying to me now and they had a really bad problem both mark and tom of just like having so many fucking lyrics like they they there's so many goddamn syllables and they just cram them and it just sounds like really annoying nursery rhymes a lot of the time to me now and i also I def- feel that way about baseball <laughs> yeah um and i loved the shit out of it when i was a teen but now i'm just like annoyed by it so some songs that i i really liked when i was a kid i don't like now and that was interesting to find out um but yeah, I I think you can't argue that the that, that that the second half of this album is amazing. Um But yeah, there is just like a lot just like the lyric, like kids can't vote, adults elect them. Like that's so <laughs> that's so crazy to me. Like why would you think that's a lyric? <laughs> like I'm just amazed that there's like very little quality control in blink 82. Like and I feel like there's all. I feel like it's always been that way, but there's so many examples of that on this album. Um, I I genuinely think that um, I would take who makes
3: up all the rules about those girls I want over kids can't vote adults elect them. I think that the former is
0: more mature.
1: (laughs) I I wouldn't disagree at all. Yeah, it's a good take.
0: Um. Yeah, that's all I've got. Um. Yeah. uh, Roller coaster, reckless abandon um good really really amazing uh i guess uh deeper cuts for sure yeah
2: i I guess where i'll start is i guess i don't i don't mind side A. like to be honest like i i i i guess i guess i'm just empty headed where i'm not thinking about the lyrics i'm just like this sounds like a good riff or a good or a, a song i like the opening Little thing for story of a lonely guy. I can't tell you with Blink. I'm, I'm like really, and this might just say more about me, but like, I'm really not paying attention to the lyrics at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's your headcanon on this pod is that you're not a lyrics guy, right? Like, you go, you go out of your, it's like, if we have to, you have to go out of your way to really embrace the lyrics on something. And I think that's beautiful in a way.
2: So, so yeah. like, but I, I understand, I get it. Like, I love, I love Anthem Part Two. I think I like it more than Anthem Part One.
3: That's um. insane to me. Wow, <laughs>
2: wow. Well,
3: to to speak a little bit more about the lyrics of specifically the rock show and first date, I think that that is you know them very deliberately trying to recapture the heightened teenager emotions energy that they like so effortlessly caught in a bottle.
2: Yeah,
3: uh, enema. And, uh, in first date, they, they even kind of like acknowledge in the music video itself. It feels like these old people pretending to be young.
2: <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, yeah, I still like, I like, I like the rock show, but I get, I get it. it. It's just like, I was getting into all of this stuff at the same, at the same time, just the way I did greatest, greatest since greatest Ed's game first. So, like, I maybe That's it's nostalgia, fair. nostalgia, but like, I still, I still enjoy, I still enjoy those songs. First date, maybe not. I think I just like the rock show more. First date's fine. It's um, weird to
3: hear I couldn't wait for the Summer and the Warp Tour from the mouth of a man who played the first Warp Tour.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's a it fact.
3: And
2: may, maybe me being like going the to Warp Tour like in 2006, I was like, oh, like, I can. Like, oh, I, this is this thing I want to go to, and they're talking about it in the song. Um, but but yeah, like side side B is obviously like fucking leagues better, and it's undeniable. Um, and yeah, like i I still I still enjoy this record, but I think it's a theme that will become more apparent. Later with Blink, but they are eventually gonna start running in circles in terms of recreating their youth, and that will eventually hurt. That it'll eventually like lead to nowhere for them. You could
3: even say you could blame it on their youth, <laughs>
2: yeah. um, and like a perpetual problem with pop punk in general, like the Peter Pan syndrome that bands eventually run run into because they're on un, essentially unwilling to con- confront the fact that they're aging
3: i think you picked that phrase on purpose because that was the original title for what's my age again
2: so oh, really? fucked up
1: yeah. that's cool as hell
2: <laughs> <laughs> i i didn't pick that on purpose that's uh, uh yeah
1: no that's, that's like a, a phrase, tr-
2: that's a phrase david anthony told me once and i've stolen it since then
3: i think david anthony might have gotten that from that factoid because maybe he honestly he could have been on this episode because he can talk about blink with the best of them
2: <laughs> yeah yeah we i'm trying to be careful not to invite david on again too quickly because right it's, right it's too easy
3: yeah he came on for like what four hours that was like your longest episode. Yeah,
1: it was long as
2: fuck. <laughs> it was still two hours, it was two hours, but yeah. yeah the point this is- will
1: this will end up probably being the longest one, uh realistically, which is fine. Oh, great. It's fun. it's I honestly that's that's a good record to set. Um that's
3: that's that's hearkening back to our halcyon days, I yeah. think.
1: Um i d I've said everything I need to say about this record. Um it's the most important blink record for me, just because it like it's the first one that I really like bought in kind of real time and really like dove into in full um but let's uh let's jump a couple more years down the line to untitled or self-titled depending on how loyal you want to be to the the vision, ellie
3: i'm an untitled person i think it's untitled um, good go
1: with that i'm with you yeah.
3: i actually have um some mixed feelings about this record not like In terms of its quality i think pretty much everyone agrees that like aesthetically and sonically it's the most mature like blink record um and it has probably their most sophisticated songwriting um but i just don't find myself coming back to this one as much there's like a coldness to it um
1: yeah i can see what you mean
3: that i find a little alienating um despite the fact that like feeling this is like three great pop songs rolled into one um that's like a perfect single um i think go is a really great little song um i really like the way easy target transitions into all of this uh which all of this is like a super transitory moment for this band isn't it like like all of this like notes like a path that they could have gone to that they could have gone down and then just never took you know like that's like an alternate history book Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um super interesting song uh i think always is really underrated um obviously stockholm syndrome fucking rips um uh obviously uh the drum intro of violence fucking rips uh but there's just like this kind of processed element of it uh where it feels like okay guys it's time to make our mature record and i know that like it came out much more organically than that in the studio but listening to it it just makes me feel a little bit um i guess uh they feel emotionally unavailable on this record
1: the the vibe is so inherently different on this record than it is on any of the other records like it's
3: it's immediate you notice immediately Mm -hmm. like
1: and like i i think that this this has this is an interesting take personal for me this this record has its wires permanently crossed in my head with war all the time because i bought them at the same time and listened to them like in tandem with each other but this record is like a this record feels like a post-hardcore record (laughs) for me yeah Um, at least at points which i think is hilarious um because it's not but it just has it has way more of that vibe than like the the vibe that i think that people if you're going to blink 182 as a comfort band which many people in our general age cohort do like i don't think that you get that same comforting vibe from this record like i think that there's a fundamentally different thing being delivered yeah well it's like good it's really fucking good like it's objectively good yeah, yeah, but um, it, but I just don't think it it delivers the same experience, right? Like, and we, we when we think about records, we want to think about you know the unified, the unified experience that they deliver, and like I think it's especially kind of jagged the fact that like the the um, I'm a big covers guy, like I'm a big covers of records like layouts guy, and like I think that it's so funny that there's like such a sharp disconnect between the way the record looks and the way that it sounds, like yeah, um.
3: it's interesting you bring up the it's a post hardcore record in a lot of ways um because it is but the time period that it came out and the fact that they went on their hiatus after this record i think kind of is interesting when you think about uh the fact that this era it also kind of transitioned to uh the bands that were more descended from hardcore than uh skate punk and like traditional california punk Mm -hmm. uh like this is when your fallout boys and newfound glories were popping up uh Mm -hmm. fucking simple plan who used to be reset um even fucking good charlotte who like on mtv's cribs like the dude from one of the kids from good charlotte was like here's my fucking first edition gorilla biscuits start today (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that was newfound glory i could have sworn good charlotte was one of what it was like one of those you're probably right i think that yeah i think that specific record might have been newfound glory but yeah I, good charlotte definitely showed off like some hardcore records like on their episode of Krebs.
1: sick i jumped the line go for it kyle
0: yeah so this is like without a doubt my favorite blink album and like i feel so intensely um i feel such an intense emotion no response to this route, to this album and I feel like it's been like that for like the past couple of years in discovering that like I think this album has like a magic to it that like like even Pinkerton has with me where it's like it felt like such a risk and the payoff was so gigantically positive um with me at least um yeah and I just feel like they can never. I feel like it's an album that could not be recreated, like, even if they tried. And um, I've watched the the MTV, like, documentary about this album, like, The Making Of. I've watched that so many times where they, like, rented a house for, like, half a year to write this album. And it just seems like they're just, like, they they're nearly, like, work themselves to death, like, writing this album. And then they finally got into a studio and recorded it and they were like rushing like the the rushing it off because they wasted so much time not wasted they spent so much time just like crafting this album that like the layout and like the pictures were just like done on the fly just because they needed to send it to like distribution and stuff like that um but yeah i think it's like such an interesting album and um really I, it, it's crazy that it works it's it, it's crazy that this album works so fucking perfect um but yeah i think go it, is top five blank song for me and it's really strange because it's like mark, mark is writing so about something that he's never talked about never revisited um really dark song about like per- parental troubles um yeah uh that here's your letter you Sorry, go ahead. No, go. No, what? What were you gonna say? I was gonna say that documentary you brought up is so good. You can like watch the band falling apart in real time. Yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, like Travis is gone for like the majority of it because <laughs> of yeah. transplants, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Here's your letter. Is probably my favorite song on this album too. It might be that I I love it so much and no one ever talks about it, but I think it's an amazing song.
1: It's a fucking
3: oh.
0: banger. It's, it's a really, really good, good song.
1: It's on the record. It is. I, I yeah. should
0: have mentioned it. Very good. Um, Asthenia is really good. And I feel like I had known this song for like my whole life and never known that it's on this album. I always thought it was like on Neighborhoods or maybe even like an Angels and Airwaves song. It sounds like an Angels and Airwaves that makes song. Sense. Uh, but good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but good
1: is the
2: key word.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't like anything besides the adventure. From that band,
2: uh, I like the first record and the second one a little bit. Oh, okay, but but yeah, I it's totally different vibe, and I think Tom kind of loses the plot with that band in general.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, violence, I think, is a great song with just bad lyrics, like like violence. You kill me, like
4: those are lyrics. Uh, <laughs>
0: Um, I kept saying the word obviously
3: and didn't mention obvious, yeah, which obvious. is like, like a great little goth song, you know. Uh, yeah. So's down. Down is also like a great little goth song.
0: I feel like down is probably one of Blink 182's most popular songs. I feel mm. like I feel like a, I feel like a lot of younger kids like that song. I think it's it like feels decent. very proto emo trap. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and then it goes into like a proto emo trap beat, maybe the fallen interlude. Yeah yeah um
3: well the fallen interlude sounds like uh the instrumental tracks on the first two lincoln
0: park albums yeah 100 <laughs> percent. good point um yeah. but then uh stockholm syndrome i really love that song it i feel like it kind of freaked me out when i was a teen because it's just it it's so urgent and sudden and like tom's vocals are just like so hard when he's like doing like the screaming or whatever um travis's drums sound
3: great on that song too yeah
0: and then violence yeah i i like that song um a lot and oh i want to say that violence and stockholm syndrome were really tough 155 episodes because they hated those songs and didn't really make a case for why this uh sorry and
3: i'm sorry kyle because i feel like i'm just so used to like us like cross-talking each other um <laughs> good because, but uh just because we we mentioned travis's drums a couple times i think that this record is the drum sound that travis has been trying to like recapture ever since
2: yeah oh, huh? mm,
3: yeah yeah like on all, and on like all the mgk stuff and the newer like uh kind of emo pop punk rap stuff like this is like the drum sound that he's like really trying for
0: yeah i feel like he i mean it's probably cuz he had so much of a hand in writing this album cuz i don't think he wrote on enema as much because those were all written There's bef- more when he was yeah on, uh... yeah um but yeah, and also like Tom switching to his hollow body guitar whatever the fuck that he created. Um sounds incredible. Um yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Mark, I, Mark I,
3: was playing on like a six-string bass on this one, right?
0: Something crazy like that. Yeah. Um I don't know. I feel like this is when they were in like peak like uh hey entered gear mode. <laughs> yeah where it's like <laughs> yeah. they both started companies too maybe around this era like uh-huh. Macbeth or whatever
3: and
1: famous stars and straps and atticus they all three-head fucking companies yeah.
3: yeah yeah i forget about famous stars and straps sometimes because like in my head it's basically just like metal militia or tap out yeah, yeah. um <laughs> it, like its aesthetic is just like repugnant to me mm-hmm. uh
1: Well, but that's an important part of the Blink brand. Like, it's not—it's not a thing that we're gonna belabor because this isn't the fucking space for it. But like, it is super important to recognize that like a big part of the a big part of Blink's like lasting aesthetic brand was a was an appropriation of Orange County um, motocross bro aesthetic (laughs) and like turning it into something more palatable for the general population.
3: Specifically, Travis. Yeah, Um, because I think Macbeth and Atticus both had like aesthetics that hold up today
1: totally yeah
3: and obviously you know the i should have worn my fucking mark dina told me to wear like my mark shirt but i have i just got a shirt from fucking forever 21 that looks exactly like the long sleeve over shorts that mark wears in the damn it video and it would have been
2: great to wear (laughs) so sick Hugo? yeah you go um yeah i i like i like i like this record um not one that i there were singles as a kid that i really liked like here's not singles but just tracks like here's your letter i remember my cousin used to make me like mix cds I was a little bit older and i remember her having easy target on there and that being a really big big one for me um and i think just to pull on that post hardcore thread that we've been kind of hinting at i know in the memoir that Travis wrote, he talks a lot about uh, showing Tom like Fugazi and Quicksand, and that being like a huge inspiration for this record. And I kind of like that this is what you what the Blink version can be, can be, and maybe maybe this is the thread of Jim of me not liking Quicksand. It's like I is that I would just. <laughs> i don't know I, I i just popped that just popped into my head it's like okay we're,
1: we're touching all the we're touching all the hugo lore points this episode um, not a lyrics guy doesn't like quicksand quicksand
3: it's- are like a top five grunge band for me
2: <laughs> hey <laughs> no to- totally i get it i i get it i I've, I've tried like multiple times but it's just something about walter's walter's vocals for me um, i love how
3: dead i love how dead he sounds on on slip like he sounds like a dying man, and I love it. <laughs>
2: that's yeah, that's, that's fair. I love, I I I found stuff to enjoy about Manic Depression. Um, yeah, mm,
3: yeah, that record's got some interesting stuff going on. However, are you a rival schoolsman?
2: Oh yeah,
1: I love yeah. rival I mean, schools. Yeah, R- rival schools is decidedly the superior R- Walter Schreifels band. Um, I know that that's a hot take, but I I stand by it. Like you United... know. Well, United by Fate is the most perfect post-hardcore record ever made. Like,
3: I mean the, the best the best uh Walt Schreifel's song obviously is "Can't Wait One Minute More" by Civ. <laughs> yes,
1: that's a fact. Yeah,
2: but oh, but
3: I I actually think Walt Schryffel's is, is like top three hardcore songwriters of all time for me. Yeah,
2: I even really like his solo record from twenty ten
3: yeah up, yeah out, that record's
2: really solid like i i was i picked it up randomly at a record store and i was like really surprised um but anyway going back going back to blink um yeah like i wouldn't say like it quite leaves me cold it's just not one that i re that i that i return that i returned to a bunch but it's i respect i respect it and i think I always appreciate when a band swings for it instead of just trying to chase enema again. I think this like in terms of an artistic like statement, it's like this was this was the next move to make. And um I, f- I feel like they would trap themselves on the next record to try to chase this one.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, speaking of the next record, let's talk about it. Um, Bling 182 obviously broke up for a sizable amount of time and then came back in 2011 to everybody's uh, either either joy or chagrin, yeah. depending on who you are. And um, I think that this record is really fucking interesting for a number of reasons that I will unpack if I have to, but I'm going to kick it over to Ellie. Because they're probably going to say everything that I was going to say but better. Let's go.
3: That's not fair. I think that... You said a lot of very articulate things throughout this entire episode, Jim. Oh, um, and uh, this record is terrible. Uh, <laughs> I have I I know at this point in my life, like several neighborhoods apologists. Um, oh yeah, they're they're all over the place. I I, all I
2: might be you might be talking the one a little bit. They multiply
3: every year. <laughs> crazy. Um, the retcon crazy. is real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This record is disgusting. Uh, (laughs) Ghost on the Dance Floor uh, might be one of the most unfortunate songs uh, that I've ever heard. This record is like uh, if Angels and Airwaves hocked up a loogie. It hurts more because there actually are like a couple really solid ideas here. Like uh, the, the couple Mark songs are really solid. MH447 or whatever it's called is pretty solid. Hearts All Gone is like Heart's All Gone is like a dry run for like the the new Fast Blink songs. Um, and it has kind of that like more likable energy to it. Um, the It's either Natives or Kaleidoscope that has like a pretty cool little twiddly guitar part that I enjoy. Um, I can't remember which song it is. But most of this record is just like absolutely interminable. Like it's just like direct. And makes me really sad because you can like hear that Tom is just like dominating the songwriting, but he's also like not all there. Um, and it's like really apparent. Uh, like you can feel that they were, everyone was doing like, like I think this was the record that everyone was like recording their own parts at their home and just like emailing them to each other. Um, and you can feel that disconnectedness and that muddiness and it just feels like a soulless record
0: yeah i think i succumbed to the apologism of this album at some point where it was like oh Neighborhoods is actually good if you listen to it now and i was like on board with it because i listened to it's like okay yeah like the vibe is kind of cool it's like this sort of nighttime spacey they have some like synths but like they don't even sound like they're processed well
1: yeah yeah like
0: um yeah i listened to this album while i was on a dog walk last week uh, and i came back to it and i was like whoa i was like pilled because this sucks because i liked this album after people were like oh you gotta give it another try i was like okay but then like listening to it last week i was like wait what did i like about this this is like objectively like bad. Like they don't even end parts. They just smash them together. And it's like that's not even like I I I feel like some of the stuff is like musically incorrect on this album. Yeah. Yeah. The the riff on Up All Night is so
3: ugly. It's like an aborted helmet riff. (laughs) Um yeah. It's so bad.
1: The the thing that always the thing that the thing that I thought I was pilled about was the drumming on whatever the fuck the single is. The fucking... Up athlete. All Night, right? Up All Night, yeah. yeah. Um, that, I thought that that drumming was cool for whatever reason. And I listened back to it. I was like, oh no, this is like the most like wanky for wanky's sake drumming. This is like a distillation of everything like you don't want to do as a technical drummer. In Have you app.
0: heard Snake Charmer, which is a deluxe track?
1: <sighs> yes
0: yes that is some that's like they gave travis way too much control yeah neighborhoods is the record where travis
3: became like the anti-joey jordison
1: yeah that's what does that mean exactly (laughs)
3: like hyper technical but in a way that like does not serve the song whatsoever okay
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i'm on board (laughs) um yeah i think like wishing well is the only song that i'm like this is a good song oh yeah i forgot about that song that song's like listenable for sure
3: Mm
1: -hmm. you what's your apologist take
2: i don't so i have to go back just for context sake i i think what was it was it like oh nine that they (laughs) that the reunion talks like that they reunited so i was maybe like i was maybe like 14 or 15 like probably height of my blink fandom i like to totally out myself as a fucking loser i started a facebook group like a couple years before with with only me there that was get blink 182 back together
1: that rocks I, I <laughs> that rules that's super sick
2: yeah <laughs> so like i was fully in the tank for like anything they were gonna do i had never seen Blink. i saw them on that first re- reunion was I, it the I, honda
0: civic with full with fallout boy and panic at the disco
2: i i think i think so yeah yeah i saw and them
0: I, on that tour
2: um and i the they there's this place called first midwest bank amphitheater in the in the suburbs of chicago that's um that they played at and it's cost like a hundred dollars for pit tickets there's it's maybe like 50 people in there i i went on ebay and paid like A ridiculous amount of money to see it so like even that but I remember when this record was coming out um I fucking hated it like so much and I think and it was only in the past couple years where it's like oh this isn't as it's my take is it's not as bad as I remember it being i I'm not saying this is a masterpiece. It's like definitely like taking away the Matt Skiba stuff because that doesn't count. This is like the worst blink record.
3: I'm a, I'm really excited to talk about Skiba 182. <laughs> I cannot <expect> that. <laughs>
1: um, I, I call him Blink 180 Skiba. So that's uh, right there is uh, Blink you
3: know. one, maybe Blink one Skiba 2. Yeah that might <laughs> that might roll
2: off the tongue a little either, bit either way. So either this way. is like a I like I like this record for what it is but I'm not going to argue this is like I'm not going to do the annoying music journalism thing where it's like you know that thing everybody hated like 10 years ago actually it's pretty it's actually good you all were wrong um so like I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to do that like like it's like they should have untitled was like the perfect end to discography in in my opinion and you know uh not all reunion records are good sometimes they're very bad and this is the
3: journey the journey from cheshi to untitled is like a really nice little arc yeah yeah Yeah.
1: feels very complete very very comprehensive very Uh, holistic yeah it's uh it's, and I, it's yeah. very it's a it's a beatles it's a beatles level arc in a beatles amount of time
2: yeah uh, and it's, it's
1: like third analogy
2: like <laughs> everyone's saying the record feels disjointed. and you can feel that they're not all in the same place writing it yeah
1: um i mean yeah i can't I can't really say anything good about this. The only thing that I will say that's mm-hmm. funny is that, like, I feel like this record could be released today by somebody born in two thousand three, and it would be the biggest fucking record on earth. Like, this record yeah. totally, like, You're totally, that. totally <laughs> sounds yeah. like something that would like blow up on TikTok, um, beaten and be made by like some some kid with face tattoos. Like, that's big, uh, big vibes there. Um, the whole thing yeah. just <laughs> feels feel stapled together right like it just like it doesn't even yeah. sound like blink it sounds like a completely different band composed of different people like it's hard for me to believe that it's the same three people doing this like yeah that's the most jarring thing about it for me is it doesn't sound like the same fucking band at all yeah it
0: was really confusing because i was not because blink 182 were not at all on my map at that point because i was in college and like listening to like college rock type of stuff and then like Hearing that that's what they cooked up as a reunion album was just like really, really, really confusing. Like extremely yeah. confusing.
1: Yeah, this was 2011, so I was like, just pure title fight, trapped under ice zone at this point. Right? Yeah, same. Um, And I was just like, that that world is good. Why the fuck would I pay attention to the goddamn Blink? Um, anything Blink is doing right now? What the fuck?
2: Like, didn't, didn't they have an EP before this too? Like. After this, I was going After to bring this EP up. Dogs uh, eating, dogs, dogs, eating dogs.
1: dogs. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's bad. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Well, yeah. it's bad. Folks. The one song is really good. <laughs> the the song with Yellow Wolf. No, dogs eating dogs is a good song. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe well, I should give it I I haven't listened to it since it came
3: out. Literally. Are we going It's a Mark song. song so. We, okay. I'll give it a try.
1: Are we gonna Are we gonna talk about Blink One Eighty Skiba now?
0: I, yeah i've been i've been
1: I'm, i've been waiting i'm so fucking <laughs> excited <laughs> uh, how about
0: this where were you when you heard that matt skiba were, was joining blink eighty two? i was in my college dorm room
1: <laughs> i was sitting on my couch in chicago um in lakeview watching um, I guarantee I was watching either Bar Rescue or Diner Drive-Ins and Dives because 2016 was like, I was like, just literally all I did that year was like work from home and watch those shows. Like, so yeah.
3: Well, I think the announcement came in 2015.
1: Okay, well, that um, you know, that, that, makes, that makes sense. Um, and
3: I was living in Chicago as well at the time.
1: Oh, that's so fucking crazy.
2: Yeah. Um, I didn't even think. For me, I because like college, yeah, I, I was like pretty much. I, I think I was so mad at neighborhoods that I kind of stopped listening to Blink for a while. Um, and coincidentally, my college roommate was the biggest Alkaline Trio fan and got <laughs> me into Alkaline Trio. So I I was probably probably on my college radio station like waiting for for my shift or whatever and being like oh, oh how is this gonna work exactly um because it's not like alkaline trio records around that time were very good
1: <laughs> i i i think a thing that a piece of trivia a piece of lore that i want to point out about me is that um i saw i went and saw fucking blink 182 as Blink-180's skeba in 2016, right after they put so the I. record um, at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater in Chicago. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I saw like them they're... with a
3: Day to Remember opening. Yeah, yep, same.
1: And I, I at that show I saw, there was a motherfucker who had a fucking Day to Remember neck tattoo. And I was like, God, that's the sickest fucking neck tattoo I've ever seen in my life.
3: And All American Rejects were the opening band, and Tyson Ritter was just like so fucking drunk, and he did like this weird like chicken dance thing like his face kind of moved and squawked like a chicken and they had this terrible song they played where they like the song isn't out yet so we're gonna teach you the lyrics it goes i don't give a fuck i don't i don't give a fuck and it was just like (laughs) one of the most surreal live music experiences i've ever had um the choice of for matskiba was so weird i remember thinking they should have like poached one of the all-time low kids or something like oh, one of those yeah. bands that was like influenced by blink and didn't mark end up doing a band with one of the all-time low dudes anyway simple yeah. creatures simple yeah. creatures yeah so i think it could have worked um it kind of like helped cement their cross-generational appeal um but instead they just went with like a dude who was like even crustier and like from an older punk scene than them um
1: yeah and a, and a, and a dude who does not have a who does not have an appealing brand to anybody besides like the fucking absolute goddamn state fair clientele that goes to the fucking trio metro shows every year like just like the most re- repellent fucking personal brand on matt skiba good fucking yeah brand. i mean my like, partner
3: really adores alkaline trio early yeah, Alkaline.
1: I, oh. I like early alkaline trio too but matt skiba is like one of the biggest douchebags in fucking punk like straight up yeah
0: he's like really aged poorly and like the Mm -hmm. skiba and the secrets album or whatever the fuck that was just sort of like the last i was gonna pay attention to him because that was like atrocious
3: does anyone remember the really weird acoustic split album between matt skiba and kevin seconds yeah oh yeah yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah, i think that was
3: that was the end of my line for really both of those dudes yeah
1: It's like, man, you're going to really make, you're going to make fucking, you're going to make God damn it and the crew and then get together and then make some shit like this. You motherfuckers. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. But at least
3: I do think that they both still put on like a pretty good live show. Like seven seconds is always going to close in 99 red balloons. And their cover of 99 red balloons is like gold finger tier in terms of 99 red balloons covers.
1: (laughs) the 990 uh, fucking bonus episode 99 red balloons covers rank them fucking yeah.
3: um no uh, there's a new one that i heard i'm pretty sure in forever 21 <laughs> um, yeah.
1: i heard it when i was like setting up drums a couple weeks ago at a gig and i was like oh what the fuck <laughs> like, it's odd isn't it yeah yeah um anything else to say about
2: california um did we even really talk about california no we didn't (laughs) no we haven't talked about it at all yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um i i had somebody tell me this record is actually pretty good and i i don't know what they're talking about um (laughs) i I feel like it's i don't like built this pool just became a meme for a while which was kind of annoying but whatever um I feel I mean, like you were not
1: you and I were in the thick of it, brother.
2: yeah, not I'm talking sick. about our friend group, yeah, that would just make a bunch of memes about it and mm-hmm. almost like trying to meme it into being a good record or something. Yeah. Um, I feel like Skiva is just running in circles and in, per- in particular, and the band is on on here. um i I think everything like I hinted at earlier about the Peter Pan syndrome is like just here, like. Uh, oh, a record that doesn't make a case that it should have been made is, um, is... You know
3: what, though? This record felt weirdly refreshing to me after Neighborhoods. And okay. um, that it had, like, a goal and a vision. Um, the problem is that uh, it is equally as lacking in a soul as yeah. Neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, there are some pretty listenable tracks here. I think Rabbit Hole is pretty listenable. Uh, yep. Cynical is fine. Um, I don't mind. She's out of her mind. Uh, I I like the Willows and I like the Bauhaus shout out. Um, it's a bad song, but I don't, I don't hate it. And Bored to Death, I think I have heard so many times that yeah. I've just kind of like been forced to tolerate it. Well, um, bored to
1: Death is the best, like, is the best sort of, um, service to, like, early Blink that they do in this later era. Like, it sounds more like anything on Self-Titled than anything on Neighborhoods does. And
3: weirdly enough, that life is too short to last long. If you go back to the early Blink era, on that 7-inch that came to Conquer Uranus, that is actually a lyric on either Rectum or Zulu, one of the other songs Mm -hmm. on that 7-inch. Damn.
1: Fucking cool.
0: Yeah, Uh, but it was a Tom lyric, so I don't know, maybe he can sue. (laughs) Yeah, I... I really like a bunch of songs on this album, like, unironically and unapologetically. Like, I think Cynical is a really good song. She's out of her mind, like, conceptually as, like, an idea for a song is really stupid and, like, problematic, I guess. Um, but it's super fun. Yeah, but
2: it's, yeah. A super but fun it's,
0: song. yeah. Um, like, the Los Angeles and San Diego tracks and Teenage Satellite. Kings of the Weekend okay. those are all horror, horrendous songs. Like I was going to say Teenage Satellites is pretty listenable, but Kings of the Weekend is truly awful. Like,
3: Maybe Teenage the worst Satellites
0: I feel like it's like in the same vein of like um like Centuries, Fall Out Boy where it's yes. like going for this yes. extremely over the top grossness. We thought the exact same thing, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. must have been on Silver uh, is also really bad. I really like Silver. oh <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I think, slug. like, that
0: has some, like, vibes of, like, of, of like enema. Or just, like, just the catchiness. I don't know. I don't think it's... That's blasphemy, man. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's... At least it's not, like, overproducing gross. But I think it's, like, I don't know. I think, like, it just must be, like, the na-na-na's that got me. Um, Built This Pool is f- stupid and was funny for a minute. And then The World is a Beautiful Place covered it. And then it was no
3: longer funny. The opening riff of Brohemian Rhapsody is actually really sick. It's the closest that Matsky becomes to like approximating like peak Tom. Yeah.
1: few of those moments. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I really don't think this is like the worst album. Out- like, it's kind of like objectively bad in some senses, but I also don't hate it that's how i, feel I also about california
3: i also don't despise it uh yeah it's, I, it's shocked me to see how well this album did like commercially mm-hmm.
1: i mean just people they it's a blink is good is a thing that people want and they're gonna come to the fucking table for it you know like that's the thing is like especially i think the novelty of like having the band rebooted mm-hmm. like everybody was curious about that and i will say that like to skiba's credit like i think that I don't know if it's the addition of Skiba or more the absence of Tom, but like a thing that I really noticed this lesson was that like, it seems like the, re- the absence of Tom from the band and his impulse to kind of take a big angels and airwaves all over everything, like definitely kind of put the ball back in Mark's court creatively. Absolutely. Like that's yeah. kind of why these songs sound sort of truer to classic blink form than, you know, maybe a lot of the stuff on, on neighborhoods. But it,
3: it sounds, forgive me. It sounds cynical it sounds a hundred percent
1: it sounds very focus group very like john cena 2012 like fucking just like we know what the people want to buy so like we're gonna make it
2: yeah. yeah i think just when this came out like and i haven't really given it a fair shot I, I think i was just very uninterested by another blink record and it was just where i was at in 2016 just being in in co- in college and getting more into like diy stuff and like stuff on the lower level of this kind of record at at that age of being like a junior or senior in college i was just like i don't even i don't even want to bother to listen to this i think i was just so
0: fucking curious about what they could come up with like i was like waiting for this album super super i was like really anticipating this and so yeah. curious about it yeah my my roommate at the
3: time like he bought it the day it came out and we sat down and listened to it like in his in 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 the living room and by the
0: end we felt very drained and confused <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i, I don't think there have been many albums like that where it's been like an event of like what could this sound like
4: mm-hmm.
0: I think yeah. Chinese democracy is one of the only <laughs> other ones I can think of. Fuck? <laughs> uh,
3: California is the Chinese democracy. It uh,
1: is. <laughs> it is the Chinese democracy of pop bunk. Um, that twenty. I just I would be remiss if I didn't mention that twenty sixteen was the year Hugo and I met. So that's we gotta. Is gotta,
2: that yeah. is that true? It's more. It's
1: true. Uh-huh.
2: Oh. Yeah, I met at uh, what was it, the Jones Backyard?
1: Yep. Backyard. I'm glad that I had the lower right on that. Yeah, Memorial Day Backyard.
2: And the, yeah. the day before I saw Oscar bait, and I did not like them the first time. Yeah, it's because we were a shit band like...
1: back then, brother. You don't have to fucking mince words. We had not fucking figured our shit out at all.
2: They're coming yeah. for you. <laughs> Omar coming.
1: Fucking yeah, dude. I'm I gotta sorry guys, I gotta go. I'm getting fucking popped. I'm getting, <laughs> uh the only way to make make good of that fucking audio mistake. Um anything else to say about California before we talk about literally the worst record I've ever heard in my life?
3: <laughs> dreams <clears throat> dreams of Californication, man.
1: <laughs> um let's talk about nine from 2019. Um, I'm I'm gonna hand it off immediately to Ali. <laughs> so this was my
3: number one record of 2019, if uh, anyone remembers. <laughs> uh, beat out 100 GEX. Um, Fuck off. <laughs> this record is insidious. <laughs> this record is uh, the most. The bar was set in a really odd low, but manageable place by California and nine ignores the bar altogether. Um, in favor of incorporating, uh, all these disparate sounds into a misshapen lump of depressing, bland oatmeal, um, that also happens to taste like repellent. Um And the thing that weirded me out the most upon listening to this record is that they seem to have been infected by some of that like stomp, clap, hey indie
1: songwriting. Oh, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah I mean, sh- blame it on
3: my youth, like the gang vocals. It felt very like oh. of Monsters and Men almost.
1: Yeah, well, also, but also I'm getting this, I'm just going to jump right in. Um uh, This... This is giving big Imagine Dragons at points, too. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Like the whole, there was this whole geist that happened sort of the middle of the decade where I feel like fucking Imagine Dragons and 21 Pilots and sort of everything in that zone really got like, um, you know, had a moment. But I think that in 2019, aspiring to any of that stuff is so fucking funny. Like, that's such a hilarious exercise in, like, boomerdom, right? Like, what the fuck is, like, oh, yeah, this thing that was hot as fuck four years ago, let's just jump in on it and go in on it now. It's so
3: deeply incoherent and futile. And then there are songs like Generational Divide that are actually, like, almost sick, right? Yeah. but the fact that it's just surrounded by this miasma of mediocrity like works against them like it makes this the bad like it makes the good song sound bad um
1: there's a level of there's a level of just wait i'm i'm not gonna trip over myself that john feldman wasn't involved in this record was he
0: Almost. Yeah, well, I think I there's know. like a million people involved with oh, yeah. this album. Yeah, because
1: I was gonna say this 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 album is a level of like cynical that John Feldman could only dream of. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what I will say. Regardless of whether he was involved or not, like that's that's what I will say is that like they everything that is like awful. Um, it, there there are ups and downs to John Feldman, but like the cliche around him is that he like produces and writes things in a very cynical way, and like that is like. That is present to the nth degree on this record.
3: Yeah. It's also what makes Goldfinger such a good ska band. Because they like the affair.
1: fact. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he's a producer on the album, but I think like each song was like written by a million fucking people. Yeah.
1: Sounds yeah that makes right.
0: sense. Mark Hoppus, I think, has a writing credit on
3: the New Wonder Years record.
1: Yeah, huh. th- that's cool.
3: Uh sorry. I just was reminded of it. I actually only know that because someone sent me a screenshot of it. I haven't listened to the New Wonderies record.
1: I haven't either. I didn't even know it existed. I,
2: I have. Yeah. Has it come out? Yeah. I don't think it's so. Out. I don't think it's
3: come out. Wait,
2: really? Out. I, thought
3: it was... I have a, a friend who really likes them and I, mean... I haven't listened to them really since uh, Sister Cities. I was pretty disappointed in Sister Cities and I listen. was...
1: I, sister cities is where they completely lost me i really like no closer to heaven yeah um, but that was that sort of felt like the end note to the to the depression uh records that I think like why, that's why we met because of your fucking wonder years pieces um, yeah that's, that's right that's we, we're very much wonder Years twin flames in terms of our embrace of that band and our arcs uh, i again, think the new
2: record is getting like pitched from the pr people as like a return to form kind of thing yeah, we'll Which, see about that. I, we'll see. I haven't really <laughs> I haven't really listened to the singles. Yeah. Um, Whenever you so.
3: hear return to form, think of Blink One Eighty Two
0: California. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like more about like I don't want the Wonder Used to return to form because that was like them so long Growing ago out. and it would yeah, just yeah. look bad. Just like oh, how Blink One yeah. Eighty Two looks bad trying to talk about the things they were talking about when they were teenagers.
1: And it's, like, and I just, like, I don't know. I, like, Wonder Years make denim jacket music now, and that's yeah. fine. It's just not something that I have any interest in. Like,
3: yeah, fucking Soupy coming out on stage and, like, literally doing, like, a Bono fucking wearing his leather jacket, bouncing around in a circle, holding the microphone up. Like, <laughs> I was just, like, I don't need to see this band live ever again, I don't think.
1: I, I am going to be seeing them in October with fireworks, because you got to see fucking fireworks. So that's... Uh,
4: That'll
0: be fun. Yeah. I meant to bring that up to you, Ellie, because you used to say I think the Wonder Years are gonna do some sort of specific tour and the fireworks are going to open. Yeah. You said uh, that a bunch. Yeah, that's
3: that's not what's happening, unfortunately. Um, oh, okay. But, but they did what I want fireworks. Yeah, they did they did reunite. Well, fire the fireworks reunion has been kinda in the in the cooker. Um yeah, Okay. They had that uh Demitas song like mm-hmm.
1: Which sounded up. like a foxing song. <laughs> like, yes. yeah, yeah. Did. Yeah. Um,
3: but uh I what I wanted was for them to get fireworks, man overboard, and title fight all to reunite so they could do the All My Friends Are in Bar Bands tour. <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah. Or even like I would have I would have even like uh I would have even taken like what I called the emo show tune, emo show tunes tour in 2013, which was like wonder years, fireworks, hostage call. Yeah. I was, at that, yeah, I was yeah. at that show and like, I, I hadn't, it was my first time encountering fireworks and hostage Calm. And I was just like, these songs all sound like show tunes. Yeah. <laughs> it's Every great band on here makes songs that sound like show tunes. And that's not a bad thing, but that's very much the vibe of that specific like brand of Tumblr pop punk.
3: I just want to sell out my funeral is like fallout boy tier pop punk show tune.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Totally. I still want to know what what killed hostage calm because they put out an album. They had a tour and then they broke up before they went on that tour. And I just want to know what the fuck happened. Like what's the tea?
1: I think that honestly from everything because I lurk. I lurk hard. Yeah. Everything that I've seen it's just that chris became obsessed with bodybuilding and wanted to just do that full time and couldn't if they were continuing to send it as a band because like i don't know
0: could they replace chris though
1: yeah i don't know i don't know it's uh it's tough tough to say yeah but yeah um but we've we've run ourselves to the end of the blink discography motherfuckers are we feeling
0: does anyone like any songs on nine like like is there anyone that you would save from the chopping block
1: i don't think so
2: i i barely have a recollection of listening to this record except that i didn't particularly care for it um the what's the no i wouldn't say no i yeah, I don't know. I'd, I, I'd
3: rescue generational
0: divide. I I I think I would rescue Dark Side. I think Interesting. I think there's some like hilariously bad songs. Like Black Rain is hilariously oh, man, that bad.
3: That's the song that has that like goes into like the literal trap breakdown halfway yeah. through, right? Like Yeah, that song's ridiculous.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah um
3: it's a fascinating it it would be a more fascinating record if any of the songs were compelling
1: yeah um i think we've done what we came here to do like i think that this has been really fun because again like whenever anybody talks about blank they talk about them in the macro as a cultural phenomenon but like this is a rich discography like in spite of it shitting the bed very hard at the end like it's like there's so much goodness. And like I for one, like I'm really stoked because like I feel like I'm gonna have a renaissance with Cheshire and Dude Ranch now, which is sick as fuck. Cause I haven't like listened to those records a proper amount since I was in middle school. So um it's nice, nice to do stuff. Um do we have any last words and and or plugs, especially pertaining to our wonderful guests, which we love very much. Um, do y'all have anything else that you wanna say before we uh before we call this.
0: Hit me up if you want to do a Weezer episode.
2: Yeah. Oh hell
1: yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That's because <laughs> I want I want any I want any and all excuses to talk about how much I love maladroit like anytime. That's
2: uh, a yeah, lot of talk, records, talk
0: about a band with apologist albums.
1: Yeah. I know. Every I'm, album I'm, is an I'm the world's album. loudest maladroit apologist and I'm ashamed of it. Yeah. I'd do the I'd do the Weezer episode too. Yeah, um, um, I think that that's definitely what, uh, aspirational down the line. I there's a couple things, Ellie, that you and I talked about that like want to get you back on. Obviously, Kyle can bundle into that as much as you let's, want. Um, let's do a Green Day episode. Oh, what one? A Green Day episode. Oh fuck! I mean, yeah, sure. Um, like a sellout series. But yeah, um, but I think the the coolest thing is like definitely beginning of next year title fight episode for sure oh yeah the seventh yeah. birthday of hyperview we have to we have to celebrate that um by doing a title fight episode it's a fucking that's monster. gonna be
3: that's gonna rule
1: um there's there's a there's some things between now and then it'll probably hit you about um just depending on how the timeline plays out i know that like death metal um hugo and i were talking about like wanting to do a, a sort of like 101 on death metal and you expressed interest in possibly talking about that so
3: now I think that would be fun, yeah.
1: Yeah, love it. Well, fucking a. Anything else?
3: I think something that you could do with this episode is say that your episode did for us what we did for snowing.
2: <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, Kyle, Kyle, I love you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Both, so much for being here. Uh, keep your keep your eyes peeled. Um, keep Six. your eyes to the skies because there is going to be some rebooted version of what was previously the E word coming coming at you in the indeterminate future. But it's coming, and you better be fucking ready. You better not be caught fucking slipping when this shit hits because it's gonna be great.
3: And it's only gonna be available in Japan, and we're yeah. gonna break a roof. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> all right y'all um all right. thanks so much this was fantastic it um, was. peace and love yeah,
0: this was really really fun thanks so
1: much oh yeah <laughs> likewise yeah. oh
0: oh when will this be out do you think
1: oh yeah this is gonna be out september 5th um september
0: 5th cool yep
1: september 5th 8 a.m central
0: yep
1: sorry.
3: shit Yep.
0: Yeah. all I'll right ellie so good to see you it's
3: it was it's wonderful to see you yeah (laughs) i I got so happy
0: i'm so i'm in my house i bought a house fuck yeah holy shit